What gives you the right? What's the difference between you and me? I'm not podcasting! I mean, that is my favorite line in the whole fucking movie. Hi, everybody. My name's Griffin Newman. I'm not wearing hockey pads. I'm not podcast pants. I'm not wearing podcast pads. My name's Griffin Newman. David Sims here. It's a podcast called Blank Check with Griffin and David. We're hashtag the two friends. Yes. We're not wearing hockey pads. Neither of us are wearing hockey pants. I can confirm that. Pads. It's pads, he says. Pants. No, he says pads. Pants. That doesn't make any sense. There's no such thing as hockey pants. Oh, you're right. It's pads. <laughs> Why would they be pants? They just wear regular pants. No, they don't. Well, you know. They, you know if you saw a person wear. walking down the street wearing <laughs> hockey pants, you wouldn't go, oh, normal pants. <laughs> I don't know. People wear a lot of crazy things. But what is I this? Casual Friday? <laughs> wearing hockey pants? <laughs> What if, uh, yeah, what if they were at a hockey arena? I always thought it was hockey pants. I know. I think a lot of people do, but you know why? Why? <laughs> Delivered a little low. True. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, what did you think I was going to say? Uh, you were going to call me stupid. No, what? Of course not. I don't know. No, no, I'm no, insecure, no. David. No, in the way he says it. Uh, I'm not wearing hockey pants. I'm not wearing hockey pants. I'm not wearing hockey pants. People are loving this so far. Great. People love this podcast. It's called Blank Check with Griffin and David. <laughs> yep. It is about filmographies. Directors mm-hmm. who have had massive success earlier on in their career and have given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy films they want. And sometimes those checks clear. Sure. Sometimes they bounce, baby. Yes. It's a main series about the films of Christopher Nolan. Yes. It's called The Pod Nightcast. Yes. And today we're talking about his most famous film. Yeah. His most successful film. For sure. And one could argue the biggest movie of the 21st century. That's what we were discussing. I think, uh, yeah, in terms of impact. Four movies this century have outgrossed it, but I think in terms of the, the intersection between critical respectability, cultural cachet, mainstream popularity, staying power, and financial growth, it's, it's the one. I think it's the one. I think it's the defining movie of our times for better or for worse. Yes. The movie is called... Both, I would say, by the way, for better and for worse. I agree. Really? It's a complicated yeah. movie, and its legacy is really messy now. Kind of like, you know, we've done we did The Matrix. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of movies we cover that are like this. Yeah. Sometimes. Avatar? Yeah. Sometimes good movies Clear? get bad by bad people. <laughs> sure, yeah. Sometimes bad people make good movies bad. Uh, okay. That's what I was trying to say. Anyway, hi. Movie's called The Dark Knight. Uh, the Dark Knight. I always thought it was The Duck Knight. Yeah, but there's no duck. I thought it was hockey pants and duck night. Uh, This is, of course, the second Bartman movie. Yes, Bartman's back. Bartman's back. But this time, who's he going to face? Richard T. Joker. Great, great voice. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Yep. Why not laughing more? (laughs) Oh, God. I'm Richard T. Joker. We're here to record what we know is going to be a long episode, and we're starting just with Hot, just guns nothing. Of we're starting with the air in the potato chip bag. You know, we're leading with the air. It's the opposite of the Hanukkah story. We're like, we don't have enough oil to last for eight nights, and then in fact, 
Correct. We don't even have oil for one night. We <laughs> yeah, no, try the, to light the first candle, the, and we don't have anything. Our, right. We are right. We're like we've got this huge bucket of oil. We try to light the candles. Nothing's going on. It's a dry wick. <laughs> Not to be confused with John Wick. Dry Wick is his half brother. Mm. Um, this film comes out in two thousand eight and sort of uh, breaks the culture. Yeah. It, no, you're right. It I becomes mean, a black hole. Everything gets sucked into the dark night. It's true. And nine years later, we're still feeling that kind of, uh, that pull, I would say. It had been a while, though, you know, and it was actually nice uh, to come back to it. Um, because it's been a few years since I watched this movie. Yeah, same here. So much has changed. A lot has changed. Like, it's like you got Dark Knight, then the after effects of Dark Knight for a few years. Yeah. Then that kind of begins to dissipate, and we have the new normal, right? The more... Studio controlly yes. franchising right, normal. Right. That obviously has some Dark Knight DNA in it, but you know, a lot of other stuff. So now you watch the Dark Knight and you're like, wow, it's like I'm watching a movie from like a thousand years it ago. It really does feel like we've gone through like four different shifts in mainstream yeah. film culture since then. Yeah. And also, Warner Brothers uh, Studios, at the week that we're recording this episode, this will come out later. The week that we're recording it, uh, the story came out that Warner Brothers said they no longer want to work with auteur directors who will demand Final Cut. <laughs> That's right. And Those they said, jerks. Right. They said the only two exceptions are, are Nolan and Eastwood. Those are the only two guys in the back lot who they will let do what they want. That I, I saw, only saw the headline. I didn't realize that yeah. that's, you know, how are you supposed to put up with that? Even if you're a Christopher Nolan, you know, obviously yeah. it's nice that they give you money to make your movie. but He's the on. one guy they're giving the check to and giving full reign to. And Eastwood, because he's oh. 900 years old. He's an oak tree well, that's grown in their studio. Also, Clint Eastwood delivers you a movie on time under budget. Yeah. You know, like with a star in it that more often than not makes a shit ton of money. I mean, That's Clint Eastwood's like weirdly one of the most bankable names in Hollywood. And if an Eastwood movie bombs, it'll make back its like money on like airplane rentals. Yeah, like, exactly. it's like his budgets are low enough and they're the kind of movies that people want to like get from Redbox or watch on a plane or like in a hotel room. Like I'm looking at his direct, I mean, he's like Jersey Boys was a flop, I guess. Yeah. But it made $47 million on a $40, $40 million budget. I actually completely forgot until just now that he directed a Jersey Boys no movie. No kidding. You, you forgot the movie existed. You forgot he directed it. And you that, know, and that you came forgot out- that Frankie Valli ever lived. That's how bad it was. It erased Frankie Valli from the timeline. And Joe Pesci. Yeah. And that came out the same year that he released American Sniper. That's correct. The fourth biggest movie in the history of Warner Brothers as a studio. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. That's the thing. If you look at Warner Brothers' like top films now, it's like five Nolans and Eastwood and a couple Harry Potters. Oh, and now I think fucking BVS and Suicide Squad. Exactly. They got the the DC universe. Um, but you know, even like Jay Edgar beat its budget. Yeah. Like these movies, nobody saw. Yeah. Like Changeling. Oh no, that didn't actually beat its budget. All right, fine. Anyway, Changeling is. Bad. <laughs> Changeling is very bad. Changeling's own, it's almost like an 85-year-old guy made a movie about like the a woman's experience, you know, yeah. in the turn of the century. Yeah. And how tough that was for her. It's almost like what happens when that happens. I remember reading uh an interview with Eastwood when Changeling came out where he was talking about why he cast Angelina Jolie. And he uh-huh. said, When you look at people from that time period, they all had faces back then. Angelina Jolie <laughs> looks like someone from the 30s because she's got a real face. It's like no one in the 30s looked like Angela Jolie. <laughs> I understand the he vague point he's trying to make. She's a movie star. That's right. all he really means. Right. Like she kind of looks like Ava Gardner or whatever. I mean, what? I don't know what the fuck. But he's Angela Jolie's so extreme. She's like 
she's like a like a crossbreed dog. Do you know what I'm saying? She's like a pug where it's like this isn't like like physically you mean she's sustainable. Like a puggle, right. She's I like see. a puggle. Uh but like yeah, right, where it's like you breed enough like of like French bulldogs and, and right. you're like, this is like a, a wonderfully cute creature, but eventually like it's not gonna be able to breathe or whatever. Right. Like, enough, we've, like fucked yeah, it up so enough much. generations of bizarrely pretty people <laughs> had to keep fucking for generation after generation to get to the point where we had Angelina Jolie. Well, I think it's more like if, if it kept going, we'd have a problem. Like Angelina Jolie's a very uh, nice and interesting. Well, that, let's person. look at Jolie's kids with Brad Pitt. That might be, they're gorgeous. They're maybe like they can't gorgeous breathe. Gorgeous little children. Maybe they can't breathe. <laughs> All right, maybe enough. their snouts that's are enough. too flat. The Dark Knight. That's enough of that. My God, cut S- it all out, Ben. Sully, though, this is the best movie ever made. Yeah. I rewatched it. So good. Yeah, I rewatched it. Have you rewatched? Was it? Was a forced water landing. I've seen. Wish Sully. we'd done it in June. Is it July or June? He says. I think he says July. June. July. July. That's the no, last July. line of the film. The last line of the movie. Talk about a blackout. Oh my God. Talk about a blackout. Talk about Aaron Eckhart. Yeah. In this film. Yes. Good segue. The Dark Knight. Yes. Uh, he plays Michael J. Two-Face. <laughs> Harvey Dent. Not to be confused with Michael K. Bain. Sure. He's right. Is that the name you... I'm staying consistent. I fucking hate this. Just shut up. <laughs> Just be quiet. See, now he's revved up, Ben. Remember he was like, I'm tired. Yep. I'm all tired. I haven't what? even taken a sip of my coffee yet. Ready for he's how all- amped I'm going to get? Oh, I'm going to get Twisted. He's, he has to do it. Good cup of coffee. <laughs> How you doing there? I'm doing, oh, wait a second. <laughs> oh, oh, God. oh, God. Wait a second. He's so hyped up. <laughs> Ow. Griffin. Glow. So, I just shit my pants. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Who's going to clean that up? Am I gonna, I'm In the one to clean it up. New studio the gorgeous hours. ladies of wrestling are going to clean it up. Aye, aye, aye. Available to watch now on Netflix. Pro- now, now, no one even remembers that that exists. Glow, Glow's yeah. coming out this week. Right, seventeen Netflix originals exactly. that have come out since. Glow. They release one a week now. Yeah, it's sometimes crazy. it's two a week. Yeah. Anyway, you know, you just want a company like Amazon that's going to really take its time to craft a good original Shut series up. for you. All right, the Doc Knight, the the Duck Knight. All right, Chris Nolan, Chrissy N. Right, he made Batman Begins. It was a big hit. Bartman Begins, but yes. Bartman begins. Mm-hmm. People and liked it. They said, we want more of this. The tease at the end of The Joker had people fucking clamoring. And David S. Goyer, as the movie was being made, yeah. uh, wrote treatments for two sequels. Okay. One with The Joker, and then the other one with Harvey Dent. Okay. So they had those like kind of like ready as like, if we want more. Okay, two pitches, two pitches, two pitches, two Goyer pitches. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right down the plate. What are the two pitches? Um, wh- like I told you, the first one's the Joker movie, right? Uh, which, uh, and then the second one's the Harvey Dent movie, and he was going off of the Long Halloween, which right. they had used a little bit of for the Batman Begins, you know, with uh, Mur- uh what's it called, Falcone, Mur- Falcone, right? And and Harvey Dent's arc in this is very similar to the Long Halloween. Yeah, which Joker is-, is not really a part of Long Halloween. But the Harvey no, Dent, he's not. Long Halloween is the real Harvey Dent backstory. Long Halloween is like a sort of stretch of an out, man. Yeah, uh, take yeah, much more deep take on the original Harvey Dent myth, right? right? Which is like he was this attorney, yada yada yada. Yeah, you know, uh, all this stuff happened to him. Mm-hmm. It's got the classic acid though. Yes, you know that's his typical comic book origin. Is yeah. the acid only hit half of him? Yes, while well, he was. <laughs> 
prosecuting. Yeah, and somehow it burned the rest of his body too. No, okay, don't worry about it. <laughs> um, so Nolan was uh, uncertain if he wanted to mm-hmm. even make a sequel. Yeah, right. Pretty crazy to think about now. Yeah, it is. But I do actually think that the story of these movies is each time Nolan kind of has to be talked into it, and the first yeah. time he's basically happy to make a, yeah. a sequel and the second time he really doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. But and I think it shows, but I think in this film he He kinda, was into the Joker. He wanted to do the Joker. And he cracked, what if I make it a different type of movie? What exactly. if I don't just try to make Batman Begins 2? Right. What if I try to do my version of Michael Mann's Heat in the world of Batman? It's very true. So the film goes through a stylistic shift. It, it goes does. through a sort of uh, theological shift. It does. To a degree, yeah. But also, as we mentioned, I think on our Batman Begins episode- Bartman Begins. Bartman Begins. You know, he's like, this will be a, a Joker movie. Yeah. And Batman will be important, but is going to be more reflected through the Joker. This is a movie I've always wanted to take a stopwatch to. Like in terms of screen time? Because I kind There's of- a lot of Batman in it. I kind of feel like Dent, Joker, uh, It's a lot of Dent. Batman and Gordon- all are like equalish. Kind of. I mean, but there's. I feel like all of them would get pretty close in terms of screen time breakdown. I don't think so because I not don't, equal, but pretty close. I don't think the Joker's in it that much. He's he's sort of an underrated. Like he's not in the first chunk of the movie at sure. all. Then he shows up, but you know they they use him very sparingly, like in a in a way where it doesn't really feel like they're using him sparingly. But it's a movie in which these characters are often isolated. They're obviously the yes, points for this cross, is true. but but. Harvey Dent also is like, I feel like each character has kind of got like 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing about Dent is he gets the last half, like the last third of the movie. Mm -hmm. And the Joker, he's just peppered in, you know? Um, But so Nolan and his brother, Jonathan, the two, the Nolans, they decide to steep themselves in Joker. Right. And they decide to go off of the first appearance of the Joker. Mm -hmm. And this is the first time, the first time Jonathan Nolan is like officially credited co-screenwriter. Right, because with Memento, he actually did get an Oscar nomination, but he was, it was technically like based on his short right, story. Right, right. Yes. And there was always the sense, okay, his brother was helping him out with stuff. His Is that right? I'm trying to remember the I believe prestige. so. I believe Nolan has sole screenwriting credit, but it's based on. No. Because no. Talvin McRae. You're wrong, you're wrong. You're really? Wrong. Yeah. They both wrote it? Yeah. Okay. So I'm wrong. So I'm wrong. So I'm wrong. I'll admit I'm a big man. Yeah, big man, huh? Not physically, but yeah. Uh, and also they liked the Fritz Lang movie, The Testament of Dr. Mabuse. Yeah, cool movie. Uh, is I, I actually have no idea how you say it. I think Maboos. 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 Um, and he was very interested, unlike the Tim Burton film, in avoiding an origin story. Yes. Just having the Joker be like an elemental figure. Which was, I mean, I think the master stroke of this movie. Oh, for sure. That allows it to be this more, um, that, that allows this movie to function as such a philosophical exercise. And then, as you say, yeah. he obviously also has this big idea of, like, Michael Mann's Heat is the story of L.A. told right. through these criminals and cops fighting each other. Why can't I do the same thing with Gotham? Make it a movie about a city. Make, you know, like, you know, like the city. like And not a character in, like, the cheesy way. Right. I don't know. Like, like literally buildings feel like characters for him. I always thought it would be cool if this movie was called Gotham City. Well, I think I thought your argument was that the third one should be called Gotham City. A hundred percent. Because, like, I kind of agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, don't call it The Dark Knight Rises. Call I hate it Gotham that. City. I hate that. We'll talk about that next episode. It's called that because that now. has to have been, like, the studio was like, come on. But so, it's like know, calling it The Dark Empire Knight. Strikes Back again. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's like calling it Spider-Man 2-2. <laughs> <two, two. laughs> 
It's like you take the best Spider-Man one. Spider-Man 2, comma, T-O-O. My friend Doug Rosenberg used to have this bit that there were so many Critters movies, sequels had sequels. Uh-huh. So he was like, it's a Critters 4 too, which is, <laughs> I just think about that all the time. It's a good joke. There are few jokes that please me more than that one. It's up there with Consider the Coconut for me, uh, of just things that will make me laugh anytime I think about it. Leaves. All right. Have you considered the leaves, Ben? Do you want to introduce Producer them? Ben? Oh. The Ben Deucer? The Pro-Doer? Mr. Positive? Mr. Positive? The Haas? The Paws? The Meat Lover? The Fart Detective? The Tiebreaker? Birthday Benny? The Leaves. The Fuck Master? Hmm. Not Professor Crispy? Dirtbike Benny? The Poet Laureate? The Peeper? Our finest film critic? Graduated certain tells over the course of different miniseries, such as Kylo Ben, Producer Ben Kenobi? Ben Night Shyamalan. I don't know if I, I mean, do I Ben say, say Benny thing. Ailey Ben's with the dollar sign in Warhaus. Are we done? Uh, no, I haven't. I totally zone out. I need to, every time he does that, folks. Can I blow your mind? Yeah. You just did. Oh. When I was listing those names and you were trying to figure out whether or not you had ever considered the coconut and its leaves. Oh my God. You just oh considered both. This is ridiculous. Okay. The other thing that. The other big decision Nolan makes. What is it, Griffin? IMAX. Well, that's that's actually true. Huge. Uh, and you do see it when you're watching. Literally it on big Blu-ray. decision. <laughs> Very true. But no, it's let me get this Harvey Dent thing. Let me just fucking squeeze it on in the back there. Let's put them together. Oh, yeah. Let's make one movie about both villains. That's an epic. And Harvey Dent is kind of if you if you look Harvey at this Dent movie is the backbone of the movie according to him i'd argue yeah. he's the protagonist you know in a sort in, of way. in terms of the fact that the film the arc of the film follows his rise and fall yes and but also the film is about uh how things kind of get worse before they get better uh you know it's like batman night is, is darkest not, before the dawn right batman is not night saved gotham all batman has done is kind of you know like started the war like mm-hmm. drawn the rules of battle and yeah. now it's like uh, a much worse fight in a way like Gotham was shitty before now it's kind of insane but maybe like with some chance of like you know getting it out of this situation and Harvey Dent represents what Batman wishes he could be which is right. someone who is able to function to fight in the light not in the shadows right. with his own name with law. his own face above the law yeah 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 and uh yeah so Har- and Harvey Dent's kind of like yeah Gotham's possibility white right? knight. the possibility yes he's our, the white our white knight, knight. Mm-hmm. Batman's the dark knight so he does that Great decision. Great decision. And it definitely is three movies. Yes, and people have complained. I I remember when the movie came out, and people liked the movie. Movie was pretty popular, quite well reviewed, and uh, made some money. But I remember, you know, the the thinking was because even at that point in time, the idea was like, oh, every superhero movie you got to end setting up what the next one would be, and so people kind of assumed, oh, he's going to turn into. Two Face right. at the end. That's true. To Going set into up the, the movie, I was like, "Oh, Eckhart's in this, but he's being he's set Harvey up. Dent, right, right, and he's right. setting up, and then the Joker will fuck him up, or right?" Something and the like fact that, that uh, Harvey Dent's a closed loop in this film. Yep, I remember people being upset about that and saying, "Like they should have saved that for the third one." I think the reason this movie's so effective is because it's telling, it's spinning several plates at the same yeah, time. Yeah, but not only that, that has become such an irritating trope. I'm not not to get mad sure. and yell sure. in every movie where it's like. 
you know, you're I'll be leaving some superhero movie with a friend of mine or my girlfriend or whatever yeah. who don't like know the fucking comics or whatever. And they'll be like, But what was the deal with that character? And I'm like, Well, that he's gonna in the next movie yeah, I hate it. they're gonna do it with him. Like, you know, and like, yeah, it's the worst. It's the worst, the worst, the worst, the worst. Like and this stretching movie, it out. Rewatching it last night, it is kind of incredible how self contained it is. Because Batman is one of the few pieces of pop culture that is so well-known, so established, that people even know kind of like four rungs down into the basics of Batman. Yes. Of how he functions and Alfred and everything. Right. And this movie references so little of what happens directly in Batman Begins. And especially even just recasting Rachel Dawes. It's like, you can enter into this movie. All the background, the context you need is just from knowing who Batman is. I know who Batman is. I know who Bruce Wayne is. I know who Alfred is. Yeah. I know how he functions. And then all the primary characters in this film are pretty much established within the film. You know, the 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 problem, obviously, that your Green Lanterns or whatever right. have is, like, they can't do that. They can't do that. They Pe- have to people be, don't like, know. people don't know. They have to set them up. Right. Batman, they have to do it. People know who the Joker is. People know who Batman is. People know who Gotham is. They know who Alfred is. They know who Alfred. Two-Face is. I'd like a, a little splash of chemical <laughs> waste, you know? Oh, so you want a Joker origin. Just a little splash. A little splash. This this is, you know, I think because he was so unconcerned with making a, a kind of obvious didactic sequel to the story he set up, he just made a story that was interesting to him with the Batman universe. Right. As a vehicle to say what he wanted to say, which is interestingly kind of the same thing that Burton did with Batman Returns. I mean, Batman Returns is a movie where he just went, I'm going to make a Burton movie using Batman characters. Yep. And it is kind of its own thing from the first one, except people went, no, 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 no. Yeah, that one freaked people out. And the Dark Knight, everyone was like, ah, me likey. And all these people who hadn't seen Batman Begins were there opening night, like jazz, because it was just, A, the idea that he was doing the Joker. That was what Pete Travers says, by the way. What? Me likey. Yeah. That was his, that was his quote on the, on the DVD <laughs> box. Um, Joker's just like, you know, the, the two most iconic villains in the history of superhero comics are, are the Joker and Doctor Doom. And one of them has been done correctly a bunch of times. The other one has been done incorrectly every time. The, the Joker's way more iconic than Doctor Doom. I agree. Doom. But Doctor Doom's the best Marvel villain. Would you agree with that? Yes. I would. I like Magneto, but that's more of a personal preference. I think Doctor Doom's probably your number one Marvel villain. Yeah. Um, Joker's the big guy. Everyone knows who he is. Everyone likes him. And he's a guy who's, you know, open to a lot of different interpretations. Yes. He's multifaceted, so you can always come at it from a new angle and go, this time we're going to do a little less of this, a little more of that. Right. Like, uh, you want to talk about uh, David Ayer's angle on him in the film Suicide Squad? Yeah, the angle was, uh, what if Joker dumb? (laughs) A little bit less of this. This one's good. Yeah. <laughs> Him being good. Yeah. More of this. Dumb. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. Come on. Let's be honest. He was like, what if he was twisted? <laughs> We've seen the Joker before, but he's never been twisted. <laughs> he's never arranged knives in a perfect semicircle and then like laughed near them. Most people <laughs> who shred on an electric guitar aren't literally shredding. But this Joker <laughs> is. <laughs> what if Joker ran a strip club? <laughs> Which is what happens in that movie. Joker meets Scarface. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Whereas this is like, I mean, Heath Ledger talked a lot about uh, uh, Malcolm McDowell's performance in A Clockwork Orange. Sure. Right? Yes. An anarchic Joker. Right. Mysterious. Uh, yeah, he weirdly, like... Kind of funny. Yes. Like, you know, in kind of a 
like creepy way, but yeah. like not. It all sounds lame. Somehow, when I say it. even though it was nine it years works, in advance, you know, and the movie hadn't been made yet, I remember at time at the time when Heath Ledger was doing interviews, and they asked him what he based his character on. He said, mostly, I was trying to think of what the most twisted, evil, horrifying character in the history of cinema was, so I picked Henry from the book of Henry. Yeah, right, right, right. He went for that. It's crazy. Little old Hank. Not Henry from a Portrait of a Serial Killer, which is, of course, what Henry the grows second up to scary. be. <laughs> He's alive! You gotta open the book, folks. Gotta open the book. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, as we said in our Batman Begins episode, like, from the second Batman Begins came out, people were flipping out over who was going to play the Joker. I know, people were freaking out, and I think we talked about it in our Matrix, one of our Matrix sequels episodes, mm-hmm. because there was the, the Lechy Holm rumor. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, but uh, there was, uh, everyone was going to be the Joker. Everyone was going to be the Joker. Anyone who was, like, vaguely weird. Right, and um, I just remember every single piece of this movie being chewed over and inspected in a way that now has kind of become par for the course, and certainly online film, you know, nerdery existed before then, but I feel like the the hype for this movie kind of raised everything to a new level mm-hmm. that it has stayed at now. Uh, now we're just dissecting everything. Running times are big news stories, you know? And I remember that being one of the movies where it was like, oh, it's two and a half hours. Like, that was like a headline. Like, people were just so excited about every tidbit about this movie because it felt like this is kind of the apex movie moment of what the superhero film trend has been building up to. Sure. And people, I remember at the onset of that summer, 2008, said, like, this is the year the superhero movie dies. I think we've hit. The apex, and it's going to end. How funny. Right. And it was Iron Man came out in May, and The Dark Knight came out in July, and they just both kick-started the next 10 years. Okay. You know? Everyone thought it had, like, crested. We were coming to an end, and instead it, like, revived it and set the template of what everyone else was going to follow. It also sparked a zillion bad trends, such as people thinking that this was, like, you know, comic books done right. Correct. And these people who were, like... I, a grown person, understand Batman because I read the comics and always have. I know what's right. correct and what isn't. Which we talked about a lot in our Batman Begins episode. Um, but it's it's more the idea that this movie is uh, respecting the characters rather than taking them seriously. Right. But I think everyone misinterpreted it and went, oh, let's take everything way too seriously. Let's drown it in gravitas. Yes. Which especially if you are not a filmmaker of gravitas, that comes off really cloying if it's fake, sort of pretentious babble. Trying to think of like, maybe I should like summon up a list of like comic book movies, you know, all comic book movies that like sort of came after. Well, I even feel like, you know what kind of kept on uh, uh, tiptoeing through my mind while rewatching this last night? I know it's a movie you like more than I do. Uh, Which one? I feel like even the far tentacle reaches of like Prometheus are kind of inspired by something like this, where it's like, oh, what if we can revive a franchise and right. put a lot of like philosophical debate yeah, into yeah, the yeah. body of the movie? A franchise, but why so serious? No, but you know, here's the no, but, but that thing, the kind of trying I'm to make glad, the heady blockbuster. I'm very glad I looked at this list. Okay, because after the Dark Knight, I'm not counting the other movies of 2008, which include like. Hellboy 2, The Spirit. So there was similar kinds of movies coming out where it was like artist-led comic book movies. Sure, but yeah, those are coming from different angles. Yes, I mean, Spirit's going off of Sin City. I know, yeah, I know. Right, yeah. 2009, you have Watchmen and you have X-Men Origins Wolverine. Uh-huh. Those are the two superhero movies of that year. 
The Ima- only two? Imagine just two, and one of them's Watchmen. That's crazy. But Watchmen is definitely heavily inspired by the Dark Knight. And the Watchmen and trailer. And like the budget is inspired by the Dark much. Knight. But the Watchmen trailer plays before the Dark Knight. Uh, does it? Yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember that being the thing. I'm like, fucking Watchmen. Right. Like people were like, Watchmen's like I the sequel. I guess Watchmen is inspired like, by Batman Begins as well, yes. obviously. You know, uh, and I, 300. And 300. That, that was the big thing. I worked at Forbidden Planet in New York City right after um, the fall of 2008. Yeah. So in the wake of the Dark Knight uh, and the buildup to uh, uh, Watchmen coming out that March. And yeah. it was like, I swear to God. One out of every five books sold was either The Killing Joke, which they always cited as the main influence on Heath Ledger's interpretation of the Joker. Yes. The or, Alan Moore right. uh, Joker one-off. Yeah. Or, or Watchmen. It was like every week we'd get a new shipment in of Killing Joke and a new shipment of Watchmen. Right. By the end of that week, we'd be done. And The Killing Joke is like a pretty bad comic, one of Moore's worst in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, it's not very good. Uh, Well-drawn and like has a good idea to it. Yeah. And it, but is also kind of famous as the one where the Joker kills, I mean, not kills, paralyzes uh, yeah. Batgirl. And like, it just feels like too much for not enough. Like, it, it, it just felt like, it kind of feels like the epitome of one of those sort of two, you know, dark and gritty, quote unquote, comic books. It also, not to stand on my dumb soapbox here for a second. But uh, it's very short. Yeah. It's like 30, 40 pages maybe. Yeah. And there was like some hardcover re-release special edition that they had like come out with to tie into the Joker boon post-Dark Knight. Mm -hmm. But there also was this book called The DC Universe Collected Stories of Alan Moore. Oh, I love that book. I have that book. And I would always say to people, they'd be like, do you have The Killing Joke? And I'd be like, don't buy The Killing Joke. Buy this. It includes The Killing Joke. It, it costs does. the same amount of money. It does. And it has 10 better stories. What do you have? The man who has everything, or what do you buy? Right. The man who has everything, the Superman story. Yeah, That's so it's got good. some swamp thing stuff. It's got great, it's great, great stuff love, in it. I love that book. And people would always want to buy the killing joke because they want to have it on their shelf. Yeah. The Joker's twisted visage. Yeah, yeah. Comic books. People are annoying. Yeah. 2010, you get Kick Ass. Okay. Iron Man 2. Right. Here's the big one Jonah Hex. Yeah. Jonah Hex. Yeah. Let's do it. Oh, wait, you want to you want us to do a Wonder Woman movie? Mm, I don't know, but Jonah Hex though. That's crazy. So 2011 is when we really kind of hit oversaturation point. 2011 start- the superhero movies are The Green Hornet, Thor, Green X-Men Lantern. First Class, Green Lantern, Captain America the First Avenger. Yeah, that's the year where they start really kind of figuring out what they're going to do. Yeah. Here's Not two- that all the movies are working, but the companies figure out their strategies about how they're making Agreed. these movies. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. it goes on. Anyway, The Dark Knight. The other thing he did... Uh, okay, what well, should we mention some of the people who are fucking considered for the Joker? I don't know. I mean, like, every... if you Depending on who you believe, everyone. Paul Bettany. Sure. Adrian Brody. Robin Williams. That's not real. That was like... They considered him for the Riddler. Robin like, Williams always wanted to be in a Batman movie. Right. And he, he was a big nerd. And uh, Nicholson briefly wasn't going to do it. And Williams signed on for the original right, 89 right, right. Batman. And then he found out that he was being used as negotiation leverage. He wanted to play the Riddler and Schumacher, but then Jim Carrey got so big. Yeah. And because, you know, I think um, he he had worked with Nolan before, he campaigned heavily to play someone in this trilogy. But, I mean, there was no villain picked that he was a right fit for. And it became after this, everyone thought he was going to do the Riddler. Remember that? For everyone Dark Knight thought the, Rises, Yeah, right. the, everyone thought the third movie was going to have a Riddler. And everyone was always like... 
X for the Riddler? Like, can we have a Riddler? You know who I thought he could have played? The Riddler. I thought he would have been a good Nolan verse. Uh, Hugo Strange. Sure. A Hugo Strange would be fine. I thought that was the kind of zone he'd be good at. But anyway. Whatever. Didn't happen. So. Everyone was considered. Apparently was Matt considered. Damon was first offered uh, Harvey Dent. Makes sense. Um, and I remember being disappointed when he didn't get the part because it seemed kind of iconic. But man, Aaron Eckert, like. Ruffalo. Ryan Philippi. Josh Lucas. Leave Schreiber. Hugh Jackman, but I'm sure Jackman wasn't yeah. interested. Lee Schreiber makes a lot of sense. But yeah. Eckert's kind of ideal in this part. And he was an he's interesting good. point because he blows up in like in the company of men is like, oh, here's this very traditional kind of leading yeah, man. Yeah, good guy. looking guy who's an ass who could play can play an asshole. Right. So then Hollywood was like, well, can we put him in a movie that's less toxic? And then he sort of became this like character support guy. You know, he's in Aaron Brockovich. Where he's kind of unrecognizable. He's very good in he's it. He's quite good in that movie. He's in Nurse Betty, which he's the villain in, right. sort of. He's like the asshole she leaves. Yeah. Then he's in The Core and Paycheck. And it felt like he had kind he's of He's really like, just struggling at this point. It felt like he'd wiped out and then Thank You for Smoking. 2006, yeah. Suddenly put him back on the map. Yeah. And at that moment, Nolan is putting together Dark Knight and he becomes the guy. And this is it. And when this came out, everyone was like, now Eckert's finally found his place. He's going to be a solid Hollywood leading man. And he has only made bad choices since then. Well, he was in Rabbit Hole, which, like, you know, is a he's fine that, choice. Actually. He rules in Sully. Look, he's the best in Sully. But in between Rabbit Hole and Sully. I, Frankenstein. You know, in the, the Fallen movies, which it's like, oh, geez, you're always yeah. like, oh, yeah, he's he's in those. He's the president. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so... But in both of them, he gets kidnapped and then Freeman becomes the acting president. So it's kind of a thankless role. It's Freeman and Butler at those movies, not him. Yeah, exactly. He's always just the MacGuffin. Kind I know, of. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And like uh, uh, Bleed for This and Sully last year, he's great in both of those movies. Yeah, but no one saw Bleed for This and Sully was uh, unrecognized in its time. And of course, according to this thing I'm reading, he also played Harvey Dent in The Dark Knight Coaster. The what? The Dark Knight coaster, a roller coaster. Oh, really? At Six Flags, great adventure. We should go on that. Uh, I don't know if it still exists. If it does, let me let me ask this: If it does, could we do that as a bonus episode? No, no way. The three of us Fuck go to that. Six Flags. I'm looking at Ben right now. Ben, I'm into it. No, I hate roller coasters. Great state of New Jersey. Yeah, we go. We record an episode live at Six Flags. Why did great I adventure. Bring this up. Like, why, what is the matter We go with on the me? coaster, we eat some churros, we have a fun time. I buy merchandise. It'd be a fun day, David. Okay. If I'm you, not sure if it still exists. If you want us to do a bonus episode on the Dark Knight coaster, tweet at David L. Sims and let him know. Seems like it's in the dark. Great. I don't know. All the better for podcasting. Uh, oh, that's going to be really fun to hear us on apparently the ride. It's, apparently, it's somewhat of a mild coaster. Great. And smaller. Great. One snag, it's a bit dark, according okay. to uh, one of the comments I'm reading. Well, good thing podcasting is an audio medium. Maybe. What, you think we're going to record? Yes. Of course. We're going to ride it 10 times. Jeez. We don't talk in between our rides. We don't talk online. But every time we get on the ride, we All start right. recording and pick up the conversation from where we left off. We're Bonus about, app. We're about 40 minutes in. We should probably start we really? talking about the movie, right? Jesus Christ. Okay. So here's how the movie starts. It's a Warner Brothers picture. Oh, no. <laughs> You're kidding me. No, it's actually, I like uh, the, um, it's very, because the first movie, the yeah. title card is just bats. Yeah. Turning into a bat and then dispersing into bats. And that movie had a color scheme, especially in its advertising, but also just in- Brown. Yes. 
brown. <laughs> Swear to me. Yeah, I'm the one flying off the handle in this episode, David. Definitely. Let's lay all the blame at my feet. Mr. Brown over here. Taking a one-way trip to Brown So what's, Town. what's the color scheme of this movie? Blue. Blue. <laughs> no one's listening. They've all turned this it is, off. This is the biggest movie we'll ever cover, and we're and blowing they, they. it. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, guaranteed blockbuster That's why we episode. chose Nolan. It's like everyone's going to want to hear our take on the big movies that they've all seen, and we're like, brown. Blue. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god Jesus Christ We're not making pod mass for this one <laughs> Rebecca's not gonna like this no. Alright Okay so uh, Movie starts with an IMAX prologue that was released With I Am Legend Yeah uh, you mean the whole bank robbery Set piece All shot in IMAX Yes uh, before he made this movie like the, the <sighs> You know all this Nolan shit turns into legend It's really annoying yeah. I can't deny it Like before they made Blade Run, I mean, before they made Batman Begins. Wait, I'm sorry, showed- it turns into a legend, a legend Master, Master Wayne? Wayne. Not Master Wayne. He's not Alfred. Okay, I'm sorry. Hockey pants. <laughs> Brown Knight. hockey pants? Bartman. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> <laughs> I just raised the table. Yeah, I know. We have moving tables now. <laughs> oh, no, oh, I'm crushing oh. my legs. <laughs> Hey, stop it. This is not helping the episode, by the way. Okay, come on. Um, I literally have no idea what we were just talking about. Ben, Ben. What's up? Why so serious? Why? He did it. He did it. He got that line in. I got it. (sighs) Before Batman Begins, he showed his crew Blade Runner, right? And he said, I want you to think about this movie when we're making this movie. Yeah. Before The Dark Knight, he shows his, his crew Heat. Yes. And he says, I love men <laughs> to them. <laughs> Movies about boys. But he also, right? I mean, It's called Batman for a reason. He starts with a bank heist and he casts William Fickner. Yeah. The, come on. The, the great legend, William Fickner? The fucking the greatest. One of those great American characters where what whenever he shows face. up in a scene, you're in good hands. I will. We'll talk about it on our Michael Bay miniseries whenever it is we do it. But I want to preview now that his reading of the line, he's got space dementia in Armageddon is like a, one of the top tier line readings of all Dude time. Dude is just a pro. You go from never having heard of space dementia, yeah. hearing the word space dementia and thinking that's not a thing yeah. to totally believing in space dementia. When he's like my favorite type of character actor where he's simultaneously like pretty handsome and kind of creepy. Very true. Right. It's like he is, I mean, it's almost a Killian Murphy situation yes. where he does have a really striking face. Yeah. But at the same time, you're like, He's frightening. There's like, something a little frightening. I'm sure if you saw him in person, you'd be like unqualified, oh, what a handsome guy. guy. Yeah, 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 exactly. And when you photograph him, something about him, he's got those icy eyes. He's got very, really defined cheekbones. Yep. I want to fuck his face. So there's- Oh, what? Yeah, throttle back. What's going on? Leave his face alone. Okay. No, no. He wanted Dwight Yoakam to play this role. Oh, That's my favorite thing about it. But Dwight Yoakam was like, I got to go, you know, take my country act, you yeah. know, on the road I got to act in five Vince Vaughn movies. <laughs> so it's Fickner, but he's so good. So good. But anyway, um, IMAX, as you say. Right. And this was all part of the build up to this movie. They also did this thing. I don't know if you remember this. But they did this thing where they had like a whole kind of like second life viral campaign for the movie where well, people had wait. to like email in to uncover images. Come Do you on. remember that? We should talk about it. I mean, obviously they had this whole campaign planned around the Joker. Yeah. 
And then Heath Ledger dies. But this is even prior to that. I'm talking before the first trailer came out when they released the Fine. first image of what yes, the Joker. Yes, I remember the image remember of that him. Thing? Yeah, behind and it was piece the... by piece you were trying to get. I know, but we should talk about it. Heath Ledger died. I can't believe we'd even mention well, that. Spoiler. Yeah, you know, Heath Ledger died. When did he? Uh, he died. I know exactly when he died. He died at my brother James's birthday. He died yeah, Jan- January twenty second, two thousand eight. I was living in Paris at the time. I was in my one semester of college that I made it through. Or I'm ra- rather, I'm sorry. I was at the start of the second semester that I dropped out of weeks later. Um, it was, I just remember someone texted me yeah. with like a confusing text that was like Heath Ledger. like, And I was like, why did someone just text me that? And I went onto the internet and I saw it. And it's like one of those rare celebrity deaths where I was like literally like shell-shocked for yeah. like a day. Yeah, it was so bizarre. It was the worst. It was the day of the Oscar nominations that year. That's right, the year before. My brother's birthday. No country Oscars. I was living in LA, so the time zones were different. Mm -hmm. And I just remember getting it and being very disarmed and confused for the entire day. It just felt like he had just emerged as like, oh, I guess this is the guy of his generation. Right. Brokeback seemed to cement him as like, he's going to be one of the guys. 100%. And then, you know, he's casting this and you're like, huh, okay, the Joker. And people made all these dumb jokes. Everyone hated when he got announced. People were like, what, Joker's going to be gay now? Brokeback Joker? He's not Who are these idiots? His face is too round. Joker's supposed to look skeletal. There were all these dumb, petty complaints. And then the second, like, stuff started coming out, the first images, the first trailers. By the time he died, there had been one trailer and people were already like, Jesus Christ, this performance looks interesting. It's for sure. And you're, and, uh, but the then, design, the voice, yeah. everything seemed to be... And then they had to like scrap their whole advertising campaign, which was all based around him. And they yeah. went with this much more muted campaign that was more like, you know, those images of like Batman in front of a skyscraper right. and like there's the bat signals on fire and stuff like that, you know. But there was, I mean, you know, there were a lot of factors, but I don't think there's ever been more excitement for more a hype performance about a performance. No, 100%. Than this. And it was like people were already excited to see Nolan do the Joker. Then people were excited by what they had seen of this performance. And then when he died, it added this like whole weird aura to it. Right. Um, You're right. And, and, you know, it's gross, but a thing that helps this movie and its legacy is that you never had him doing. Jay Leno and talking about the performance. You're right. That the performance totally speaks for itself. Yep. That Nolan kind of was very respectful and classy about how he talked about Heath Ledger mm-hmm. and didn't try mm-hmm. to exploit his legacy. And it's just this weird out of nowhere performance that exists totally on its own without any sort of explanation. Were Heath Ledger still alive, we would see him right now on Ellen promoting his next movie telling new Joker anecdotes to try to give his movie the Joker boost. Maybe. Like Heath Ledger was always a weird guy, but maybe. Agreed. But you know the way people do that? I know, like, I know what you're saying, of course. Travolta you're saying it's still like does the Pulp Kirk Fiction Cobain thing or right. whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I get what you're saying. And of course, yeah. I mean, but anyway, it sucks that he's dead. Yeah, and that's, you know, like, when this movie came out and just blew the doors off mm-hmm. of all box office records. It, it was just, why there had to be a sequel. Right. But it's so obvious that Nolan had no plans for a sequel that didn't have the Joker in it. Right. And it kind of left him at a loss. But right. I, people kept on seeing it over and over again. It was really driven by, like, Nolan himself said when people asked him, like, what do you think's behind the success? And he goes, look, I think it's a weird lightning in a bottle thing. I'm yeah. proud of the movie we made, but Heath gave this incredible performance, and the yeah. circumstances added this to it, and everyone is going to see it because of what he did. I just remember it being, like, when did you see it? Like, I went opening night. I went to the Union Square Regal. Uh-huh. And— it was like every theater was playing The Dark Knight. 
They did yeah. the campaign was called Dark Knight All Night. Yeah. And these theaters would have every screen was playing the Dark Knight. Right. And, and it'd be, be like, like 12, 1201, yeah. 1202, 1203. Yeah. yeah it like, played for 72 hours straight that opening nuts. weekend. I went and saw an early screening with my grandmother. She's a member of BAFTA, which is the British Academy of Film and Television Arts. I'm aware of the, what BAFTA is. And this is your grandma who runs like a French film festival? She's like a talent liaison for an We've American film it. festival in the it. north of France. Yeah. And so she gets invited to all these screenings and uh, went with her. And they always, the BAFTA people will come out and give a little introduction where they just say the movie. And, and they never editorialize. They go like, this is the film directed by this person with this cast. Enjoy. And I remember the guy came out and he said like, Obviously, uh, weird circumstance with Heath Ledger, but everyone has said this performance is incredible. Like, there even was this thing in this like stuffy room of old British ladies. Everyone was like, what, this fucking performance? Yes. And I remember just in this very kind of like, excuse me, polite, subdued crowd. I wasn't seeing it with like a blockbuster fanboy audience. Mm-hmm. Anytime he was on screen, there was this weird oh, electric it's electrifying. He's, yeah. It's a great performance. It's, it's crazy how good he is in this movie. It's crazy. I will say, though. Crazy like the Joker. Even crazier. Unpredictable. Twisted. <laughs> no, no. Twisted. Um, I will say, watching it now, there is an element of so much of what was incredible about this performance is it just felt um, so surprising. I guess so. In terms of how much variation he has in the character, how much his dialect can change, how much his physicality can change, how much his energy can change. It, there's an unpredictable element to what's he going to do next, right? Mm-hmm. Like he captured uh, how the Joker feels in your city to an audience member because sure. you're just like, what's this guy doing zigging and zagging? And now this performance is so chewed over so many impressions. It's weird watching it now when you know exactly what moves he's going to do. Doesn't bother me. It doesn't take away from the performance, no. but I'm saying there's a bit of an Austin Powers effect where it's like your uncle's done so many shitty impressions. Uh, maybe. To me, this it's that's why it's good. It, I think it's still I great. I love watching it. I'm just I can't saying, wait for him to show up I remember up watching time. the movie in that first screening and people just being like, what the fuck's he going to do next? I know, I know. I agree. You're right. Of course. I and mean, now we know everything. It doesn't mean the performance is less good. You've made your point. Thank you. Yeah. He robs a bank. In IMAX. <laughs> Which is crazy because it's a heavy camera. It's true. I mean, so, you got to be agile, fast to rob a bank, and he's holding this IMAX camera over his shoulder. You got that that in the movie, the Joker is also supposed to be the camera operator, right? It's clear. I think Nolan does a great job communicating that to the audience. Much like Deadpool, Richard T. Joker knows he's in a movie. He does know he's in a movie. But he's so twisted. He doesn't you know, want you to know that honestly, he knows. Honestly, that is like, you know, like, think about that. That's an easy thing you could do with a Joker to fuck everything up. Yep. They never, not to say, Jared Leto didn't even do that. He yes. was just twisted. Has done it yet? Ah, twisted. Ah. He does that. Yeah. Jared Leto. Yeah. He has an Oscar. He does. An Academy Award. He <laughs> does indeed. <laughs> That's what he's got. So does Heath Ledger. Yeah. Well. The only man arrogant enough to be like, oh, follow Heath Ledger? Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll do that. It's a tough thing to do. Why would anyone say yes to that part? It's a, I mean, why would anyone who had an Oscar say yes to that part? Well, like, Jared I get Leto's why, just like, I'm Jared Leto. I could do anything. I get why, I mean, names, like Griffin Newman would say yes to the Joker. Like, I would, well, yeah. And also it was kind of rude. They didn't offer it to him. Um, but it is funny that Jared, look, we're not here to discuss Jared Leto, but it is crazy that the whole publicity campaign was about how he's like, I am the Joker. Yeah. You're right. We're not here to discuss Jared Leto. We should just Leto be. Oh, actually we got a, we got a <laughs> Thanks package. Thanks for talking over that, Ben. We got a package sent. Oh, what's. What's in the package? Uh, I don't know. It's oh, oh God! Oh, oh, oh what my is God! in here? It's rat condoms filled <sighs> with dick blood. <laughs> Damn it, Jared! Jared! <laughs> rat condoms. 
<laughs> Ridiculous. All right. Oh, God. A joker. He's up to no good. Is a bad guy. Is a bad guy. Robs a bank, a mob bank, with all these guys dressed like clowns. That's a great sequence. People loved it. It's so good. The whole thing where he's like, I know why they call him the Joker. Well, there is. I love that shit. It's so cheesy, but it totally works. The IMAX cameras are notoriously loud. Yes. It's very hard to get usable dialogue recording. Right. So it's good to have people's lips not moving. Is that what you're saying? In this movie, most of the IMAX sequences are either action sequences or establishing shots. Right. And this is one of the full long sequences with a lot of dialogue that's also IMAX and they're all wearing masks and there is this weird heightened like all of the the Joker thugs are clearly revoiced later in ADR their voices are a little disconnected it makes it feel a little Batman the Animated Series in a way I like I I like it too and I like the way they talk because they're all very like hey I hear this guy hey this Joker guy's crazy yeah they say his name's uh, Richard or something (laughs) his middle name is Tiberius The T stands for trouble. <laughs> they could have been a little more clowny. Like they had the mask, of course, but I like when his henchmen have the whole gear. Like oh, you, all mean, the you, clown you mean stuff. like the Joel Schumacher type where it's yeah. like right, where he's like uh, Mr. Freeze is like all of my henchmen have to wear like snow suits. They're yeah. all cold. <laughs> it's like in his rider. Yeah. <laughs> And they're also ice skating their way through the bank. Yeah, right. He's like, I can only rob like ice skating galas, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> frozen banks. <laughs> Mr. Freeze's top thug wakes up at five o'clock in the morning and his wife's like, honey, why are you so up so early? Don't you have to be there until nine? He's like, yeah, but I got to paint my entire body blue. <laughs> I'm a non-frozen man and my boss will only keep me on payroll. <gasps> If I apply sparkly blue makeup to my entire body. Yes, man cometh. Remember when he says that? Yeah. All right. He says that when he's fucking Robin. (laughs) (laughs) We're one scene into the Dark Knight, which is a two hour and 20 minute movie. Just FYI. Sorry, two hour and 32 minute movie. Listen, if we do Christopher Nolan, our Dark Knight episode will be so huge we can't miss. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just do it and be legends. Uh, so, unquestionably going to be our most listened to episode ever right? best reviewed the Joker robs the bank Please, he so kills full names oh, fuck off he kills everyone Richard T. Joker yeah thank you god uh, I can't believe I'm going on with that bit Richard T. Joker robs the bank Kill everyone kills each other it's a little Rube Goldberg machine I kill the bank driver the bank driver Jesus Christ the bus driver Right. That was the, uh, like, I'm and he they like, shift I'm around. Done. But like how many times in this movie alone, yep. let alone in Inception, does is it this where there's this like elaborate scheme that when you think about it for one second you're like, "Well, wait a second, they'd have to be so precisely organized. Like there's no way this could happen." There's one of them in particular in this movie. Which one? I'll get to it when we get to it. But I think with the Joker, it kind of works because it makes him a little bit mystical. I yeah, mean, so he's a force of nature thing. A, he's a showman. B, he he's he's an agent of chaos. Sure. And he studies chaos. I mean, I like the idea that he's kind of so attuned to human behavior that he can kind of anticipate how people are going to react. Anyway, he has, he robs the mob bank. William Fickner's mad about it. All the mob money is in that one bank. Uh, right. Steers away into a line of buses. And what's one of my favorite shots in the movie? I think it's just really good visual storytelling. How's he going to get away? You see this bus pull out covered in rubble. 
oh, he's timed it perfectly so all the buses from the local schools are all going at the same time and the cop cars are moving in the opposite direction trying to catch him. Yeah. And it's like, this is- It's a cute shot, but it's a good cute shot. It's cute, but it's also like, they had to block off a whole street in Chicago. They had to have 10 school buses and 10 police cars and all these extras. For sure. And it's a perfect like encapsulation of how Nolan weaponizes his blank check status. To be like, what I'm going to do is shut down a street, do this one shot that's really expensive that will take like hours to reset. But I'm going to do it because I think this one shot speaks volumes. And I'm going to shoot it on an IMAX camera. Yeah. Like that's why Nolan movies are so expensive is because he takes his time and is just like, I'm going to do a day where we only can get one shot successfully. Right. So in this world, the Batman fights crime. Bartman, but sure. Uh, he's a man dressed as a bat. He is. Uh, and he likes to strike a fear into the hearts of criminals throughout Gotham City. His signal is in the sky. And you see some criminals are doing criminal business. And one of them's like, Batman is a Batman in a round. And one guy's like, I don't think so tonight. And the guy's like, come on. Will you have more luck of hitting the lotto? Hitting the, the, the lotto. Gotham lotto. Ben's turning me down. <laughs> Remember that, that yeah. line? I, I mean, like, is he said, does he say the Powerball? I forget what it is. Sure. Yeah. But this is an example of the movie being like, we know you all know who Batman yeah. is. Even if you haven't seen Batman Begins. You cut over to the cops. You get it. You get who Batman no, is, what he you, represents. You right. cut over to the cops, and one of the cops is like, hey, the investigation is still ongoing. Right. The guy's like, yeah, we got it. Yeah. And then these the suspects are like Elvis. Right. Abraham Lincoln. Get it? Yeah. They don't really care. And then we cut to an above ground parking lot. Okay. And a truck pulls up, and who comes out? Well, who is it? John C. Scarecrow. <laughs> Great. John Q. Scarecrow. John C. John C. Scarecrow comes out. Uh, C stands for crazy. Nice perform. Nice to to let Killian Murphy. Yeah, most superhero franchises kill off their villains at the end of each film and they never come back. And this feels very comic booky, where it's like, no, they're always still operating. Yeah, the Scarecrow's around doing he's whatever around garbage doing whatever. he's doing. Like he's not like hooked up with Ras Al Ghul anymore, so he's not that cool. But he's like, yeah. you know, he's got his bag mask, right? And uh, then he's taken down by the Batman. Or is it? Batman? <gasps> this guy's wearing hockey pants. <laughs> and then the real Batman comes, takes them all down. Oh, that's more like it. Uh, right. That's him or whatever. Yeah, Scarecrow's funny in that scene. Yeah, right? he's a funny guy. Uh, you know what? <laughs> the other scene that's funny is when he goes to Dangerfields and does the open mic and tries as new material. I get no respect. Yeah, he, he does five minutes, and he keeps, oh, no, he on, no he keeps on loosening that noose around his neck. <laughs> uh, I tell you, get no respect. I'm uh, shooting uh, weaponized hallucinogens out of crowds, and uh, Batman comes and punches me in the face. I go, I don't go to where you work and slap the oh, batarang out of your hands. Um, getting the light. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, and uh, Batman, he's got a problem he learns. He's got two problems he learns. Because this is the introduction of the Chechen as well. Yes. Who's this gangster whose bit is he likes dogs. He's got them dogs. And he says, my dogs are hungry. And that's Batman's weakness. People don't know that Batman's kryptonite is dogs. dogs. He's just got allergies. These dogs really fuck with him. Uh, the, the Chechen is played by, who's he played by? Who's he played by? Richie Glenn Coster. Close? Richie oh, okay. Coster. <laughs> no, not it's not Glenn Close. Are you sure about that? I yeah. thought you was pulling a hook. Richie Coster, who's got a big role in uh, Black Hat. Oh, yeah. 
He's like kind of the chief villain for a while of that movie. Sure. The other problem is Batman suit doesn't move very well. That's the other which problem. Which is a cool kind he of meta look around. Hat tip. Yeah. yeah. He like cuz he gets up and he's kind of like moves his whole body to turn left and right. But that was like a big point is like this is the 6th major Warner Brothers right. Batman and he still film. still has a molded rubber neck. This is the first time they made a suit where he could turn his head yes. independently of the rest of his body. So after this little escapade, he goes to Lucius Fox, played by Morgan Freeman. Now, now Mr. Wayne, and he shows him all the new tools, and he gives him an upgrade, and now he's got the new suit. He goes, does it protect against dogs? And it's like, okay, great. Ha, ha, funny, one comedy point. Yeah, it's a great scene, and everyone laughs. Everyone laughs so much. And now Batman has still not rebuilt Wayne Manor, so he's got a nice apartment. He's got a little basement that's sparse. Yeah, it's very white. But it's almost a- like Christopher Nolan designed it. Yes. Uh, this is what Christopher Nolan's rumpus room looks like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. His children's bedroom. When they go, Daddy, we want to play with toys, he pushes a button and toys come out of the, the floorboards. Right. Um, Christopher Nolan's a fun guy. So... Uh, <laughs> Daddy. It's just setting up. There's a great shot where he takes off his shirt and you see all the bruises. And it's like, okay, this movie doesn't take place that much later. The Batman begins, but it's already taken its toll. Being Batman's tough. Uh, it's hard to be Batman. Hard to be a Batman. Yes, it is. I think that's the end of the movie, right? <laughs> so you've got Batman? Yes. You got Commissioner, not Commissioner, sorry. He's not Lieutenant. a Commissioner. You're Lieutenant Gordon. Jim Gordon. Who is the head of like a special. Crime unit. Oh yeah, and Batman that checks in with, him. with Batman. Oh, this is a thing I like a lot about this movie that yes. other superhero movies wouldn't do, and this gets to Nolan having these sort of loftier ambitions to try to make a real crime movie. Yeah, is how much time it spends in this sort of uh, uh, criminal Ponzi scheme sort of thing going on. The Lao shit. Yeah, that it isn't just like a quick hand wave thing. It's like there's like an hour of this movie that's really tied up into the intricacies of this money pot. So the idea is there's the mob. Right. And there's sort of like three mobs. There's like Chechen mob uh-huh. whose dogs are hungry. Right. You got Italian mob led by Maroney, who's Eric played Roberts. by Eric Roberts. Right. He's pretty good. I like him in this movie. He's a lot. doing his thing. Yeah, but he's good. And then you've got like Michael J. White right. as Gamble, who's like an African American mobster, and like he's—I don't know—he's like barely in the movie. So, but yeah, like he gets those out are the three people at like the mob table, right? When the mob has a mob meeting, and then there's Lau, and then there's who's Lau, their money guy, a glorified accountant, but who is an accountant from Hong Kong. He's trying to pull a maid off on them. Uh, who is going to take their money? Yeah, because it's being tracked by Gordon and Batman, right? And their bank was robbed. And their bank was robbed, and he's going to pool it in Hong Kong, where it can't be touched sure. by American officials. Yeah, and so, he'll collect the interest. And so the Joker comes in to this room mm-hmm. in his first real introduction. Good piece of acting. This is the scene I think where I, we were all just losing. I mean, the pencil thing. Yeah, and there's uh, just so much shit going on in this so, performance. It's true because he does all the stuff. Because he, he has the unexpected the, thing. Like I, he, no, he, I know. He switches know. to all these different. Because sometimes he sounds southern. Sometimes he sounds midwestern. And there's the thing where the guy's like, he's crazy, and he's like, not. I'm not. That's my crazy. favorite moment. It's he's. It's a great moment. The mouth work, I love. All the like yeah. mo- mouth movement and sounds he's making are so Well, great. and the idea I'm is that not. those scars are as prominent in the inside of his cheek, right. so he's constantly kind of feeling them. But that crazy thing, I love that like as much as he's presented as this like, you know, ne'er-do-well, devil-may-care, yes. like he just loves chaos thing. It's like, oh, that's the one moment in the entire film you see this bit of vulnerability in him, which is like he doesn't want to be thought of as crazy. No. And he's he, not, he's not right. He's not like a 
a sideshow act to these, or he doesn't want to be like he, these people are so beneath him in right. his opinion. I love also when he refers to Lao as the television. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like if you listen to the television's plan yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, so he comes in and he says, I'll kill the Batman for you. Right. Cause he's ruining your business. That's what's going on. Let's and, uh, let's turn back the clocks. Everything right. used to be okay. Now you've got the Batman. I can kill him for you. And they're like in exchange for what he says, half. They all laugh at him. And then he leaves. Yeah, with his grenades. Right. But uh, if you're but, good at something, never do it for free. Right. And then he has that final moment where he goes, "Here's my card," and he very casually holds up the playing card, the Joker card. Yes. Without overselling it like a joke. Right. And I remember, like, no, when, he kind of goes like very. He's like, "Here's my card." Right. Yeah. yeah. But he he says it as if it's not unusual. Right. If as if like here's my an card. actual right. business card that they could reach him at. And I remember, like, at that moment in the screening, it was, like, essentially everyone applauded him. Well, because also, he's done, we should say, he's done the pencil thing right. where Gamble's like, get that guy. And he, he's like, I'm going to, how about a magic trick? Right. But the scene's just a fucking tour de force. And at the end of it, it was like he had just done, like, a Broadway, like, show-stopping number. It was, like, the range of what he does within this one four-minute section. The, the thing with the pencil is, if it was just that he puts the pencil down and then smashes the guy's head into it, uh, and it, you're like, oh, my God, a, a shocking bit of violence— yeah, that would be effective, right? But it works because he's then he goes like, it's gone. Like he's immediately shifts Ta-da. into very silly mode. Right. right. And uh, one thing about this movie that I think is fascinating is that it is not violent at all. Like no. in terms of like there's almost no blood or gore until Two-Face, which is, of course, this right. like crazy gory special effect. Well, there's also like, that, that moment. scene, he just, yeah, there's nothing, no violence. Nothing, like nothing. He, it's all in your head, like whatever it is he does. And there's the moment later, skipping ahead a little bit, where he, it is implied, does the mouth scars on Gamble. Right, 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 right. And they, they, it's so. Which is a creepy scene, and right. Creepy. I mean, if I was showing my kid that scene, it would freak them out even though you don't see it. But anything. he's holding the knife to his face the whole fucking yeah. time. And then, is it Gamble or is it one of Gamble's men? I believe it's Gamble. I think it's Gamble himself, yeah. and then he does the aggressive expansion yeah. thing to the, Gamble's two guys. He's holding the knife to his head, and then there's the moment where there's, like, the shock, like, in the score to imply that he's now cut his face. Yes. But they just cut, and he's let go of Gamble. There's no blood anywhere. Yep. Like, you don't see any kind of no. contact between the knife and the flash. No. It's all implied. It's all in your head. Yep. Um, so Joker has now... Made himself now. And Gordon says when, when Batman sort of stops Batman's by the bank vault. not taking him that seriously. Right. right. Gordon's like, this Joker guy. And he's like, don't fucking talk to me about this Joker. He's like, I know. I'll keep an eye on it. Like, what am I supposed to do about the Joker? Guys wearing dumb things on their faces are my specialty. I can beat them up in my sleep. Don't worry about it. Right. And, Batman. And, and, and he meets Dent on the rooftop. Meets Dent on the rooftop. It's Dent and Gordon. The three of them are up on the rooftop. Which is a shot I love. It's circling, circling around the around three them. of them. And immediately Dent and Oregon are, Gordon are arguing because Dent's like, you know, you cops are corrupt and I don't trust you. I know you're a good cop, but right. like your your guys are bad. And, and Gordon's like, like yeah. you're you're the leak. You know, you're the one who's fucking everything up. Batman's not talking. He just disappears. And they're kind of ignoring him. Yeah. He like only butts in the conversation at the end of it, but it speaks to like the larger concept of the movie, which is just like, what if this movie was like worked on its own as just like a depiction of a city and its politics and yeah, its like crime. Yeah, like a Rico case. And then also Batman's in it. Well, right. Like Batman's just to the side of the shot. But that's the thing. It's like, they're like, well, we were, we were trying to get these guys cold by tracking the money. Right. And, but Lau has escaped with the money. So Batman's job in that conversation, they're just like, yeah. can you get Lau? Like, yeah. like he's in Hong Kong. We can't get him. Yeah. And Batman's like, I'll look into it. 
So he gets the new suit. His voice is quite low. Yeah. In this one, it gets really Baldwin-y. Really. He goes full Baldwin. It's, 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 it's uh, a lot. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. What do you think I am, Lemon? A farmer. It's a classic line. Yeah. Um, so he puts together this awesome Batman sequence where he investigates sky hooking or whatever the fuck it's called. So uh, like, hey, he can jump out of a plane. There's a plane that goes by. Batman shoots out this like floating balloon. Right. And the plane like catches the floating balloon yeah. and then sucks them in. It's super cool. It's super cool. But no, yeah. For the next thing that happens is Batman's like, well, I'm not going to worry about the Joker right now. I'm just going to get Lau. Right. And he and Alfred and Lucius cook up this whole Hong Kong caper. Right. So Because you got Lucius going to the boardroom. Right. The fake phones. The fake phones. Like, and uh, Alfred's on a, a yacht. With Russian dancers. Oh, that's the other thing that happens. With the ballerinas. He has the night where he runs into Rachel Dawes. And then, right. You also have Rachel now Dawes. Now played by Maggie Now Gyllenhaal. played by Maggie Gyllenhaal. Now I'm going to say something. I have yeah. no idea if you agree with me. Maggie Gyllenhaal's pretty bad in this movie. I think she's pretty hit and miss. Some hit scenes miss. I think That's she's right in the pocket. Some it. scenes I think she's totally off. I think Katie Holmes is better than Maggie Gyllenhaal. I kind of agree with you, even though Maggie Gyllenhaal's sort of better casting for this I role. Know. Like physically she fits. She's closer to Christian Bale in Her age. first scene is rough. Yes. Where she's like, oh, uh, Jim's a friend actually, where she's trying to make the exposition sound natural and uh, it's just like... She's got it's some scenes where she feels like she's fighting at the same level of everyone else in the cast and some scenes where it feels like she's like, well, I'm in a comic book movie. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. You, do you know what I'm saying? Some scenes it feels like she's being a little you flippant. Know, I'm, I'm all over the place on her as an actress because I love her in some movies. But same I like, I like really dislike her performance in Crazy Heart, which I got do too. her an Oscar nomination. That character is also a terrible character. Like yeah, it's horrible. It's character. weird that she got nominated for that. You know what I think she's. Really, I think it was kind of like a hey, you've been doing yeah, some you're good Maggie Gyllenhaal. You've been around. We we like you. Everyone's worked with you. Uh, yeah. You know what I think she's really good in. Uh, what? Weirdly, uh, World Trade Center. I've never seen World Trade Center. It, she's the one. Her and Michael Pena play husband and wife in that movie. Yeah, and yeah, the yeah, two yeah. of them are really fucking good in it. And the rest of the movie is kind of like a fart. But she's got a couple scenes in that movie that are pretty incredible, playing what is a very stock kind of Oscar movie archetype of the suffering wife, you know? Yes. Uh, sure. She's I, really good in it, though. I, I really like her in Sherry Baby. Yeah. I like her in... I'm trying to think of other things. I don't know. She hasn't done a lot of movies. I like her she, in... She, like, stopped doing movies now that I'm looking at it. She's really? in this The Deuce, you know, the, the TV HBO show that's series. coming. Yeah. yeah. But she really hasn't... She hasn't made a movie since 2014. What was that Frank. One? Oh, right. Which she's fine. She's pretty good in that, actually. Wasn't a yeah. huge fan of that. Yeah, I'm not And then, either. like, before that, White House Down. I forgot that she's in that. She's so good in that. Yeah, she rules in that. Yeah, she's awesome in that movie. So It, it is the thing, though. Like, I think Katie Holmes felt like she had a lot more to prove being in this type of movie, so she really upped her game. I mean, she's not terrific in Batman because no. she's fine. But Maggie, Maggie Gyllenhaal, it feels like it's slacking off in certain yeah, scenes. Yeah, there's a couple scenes that kind of just set my teeth on edge. Agreed, but you innately buy her more as a DA. You innately buy her more as a contemporary of Christian Bale. Like, she's a better piece yes, of casting, but yes. a less effective performance. I agree performance. with this. I agree with what you're saying. Anyway. A couple scenes I think she's really on. She also, unfortunately, unlike in Batman Begins, yeah. 
plays the classic Nolan role right. of Ghost Lady. That's the thing. If she had played Rachel Dawes in the first movie, right. it might work better. It yeah. might work better. But in this, it's like they now here's a new actress and you're setting her up just to die. Yeah. It's hard to like buy a new person playing this character and then immediately have her be like the emotional justification. And you for the know collapse. it. You know it. You know it. You know it. You know it going in. Yeah, she's doomed. She's doomed. So Rachel is now who was dating an ADA in the last movie, PS. Yeah. Now she's dating a DA. Yeah. Uh, played by Aaron Eckhart. Right. I Frankenstein uh, himself. I Frankenstein Dent. I Frankenstein. Frankenstein I Dent. <laughs> um, Harvey Dent. But they have this scene where where Bruce Wayne's out with his Russian with his the prima ballet, ballerina right. of the Russian and they run into whatever, each other. Right. One of them walks by the other person's table and they sit down. They have this talk and it feels. No, but like, it's more like also he's bigfooting them because it's yeah. like Harvey's like I've had to wait three weeks for this reservation. I'm really excited. And Bruce is like, Hey asshole, what's up, you little shithead? Yeah, I'm just popping. I'm in. gonna get a table next to you. And Aaron, Eckert, yeah, Harvey's like, Oh, we can't do that. And he's like, huh, I think we should be able to. I own the place. It's maybe Bale's best scene in the movie though because he has the shift Terrific where he's scene. kind of territorial with this woman who he's obviously been in love with his entire life who mm-hmm. won't date him because he's Batman and he's sort of testing him and like Bigfooting him and then there's the moment where he starts to like kind of fall in love with Dent and how he's talking about right. everything. He is actually into it but of course he can't totally drop the mask of uh, Bruce Wayne. And that's why he does this whole fundraiser thing of like trust me one fundraiser with my friends you'll <laughs> never have to work again. Right. But, it's but like- also he, he prickles a little bit at being at where he's like is Wayne Manor on city limits and he's like yeah. Yeah, shouldn't you know? Yeah, it's in Gotham. That's the deal. Yeah. Uh, it's in the Glades, I think he says. The uh, Palisades. The Palisades. Yes. I'm trying to find the name of the of the Supreme Valerie. I think it's Beatrice Rosen plays okay. her. I love that she immediately is like, like just weighing in on like the debate of the day. The bat, like she's like, this Batman, he makes a fool of you, you know, yeah. Harvey Dent, you are a hero, you know. And he's like, oh, Batman might be okay. Then she's like, ah, perhaps... She holds up the paper. Ah, maybe you are the Cape Crusader. And it's a great moment because you're like, Aaron Eckhart does have Batman shin. I also just like, like you yeah, can he does. see that chin in a fucking cowl. But I just like that she she, she gets to do some expositional dialogue. Right. And it sets I know up, it's such a stupid thing. It sets up this dynamic where every time Bruce comes across Rachel and Dent, yeah. Rachel like rolls her eyes and is like, oh, Bruce. And then Dent rolls his eyes and is like, yeah, Bruce. And she's like, wait, but you don't get him. Like right. she's rolling her eyes because she knows it's a put on. Right. And then Dent's rolling his eyes because he's buying it at face value. And then she has to correct him and be like, he's actually a good guy. I can't explain to you why I'm so frustrated right now. Right. Um, but so that sort of happens when they go to the uh, ballet and it's closed down because uh, Wayne has cr- constructed this alibi that he's out fucking all these ballet dancers yeah. to, in order to skyhook over to uh, Lao's kingdom, his building. Yeah. He, he does the skyhook. He does it and it, it's IMAX and it's great. Love that scene. Uh, although I do feel like the action in that scene, and then later in the climactic scene, again we hear this co- complaint. He's not like, good at hand to hand combat. Nolan's not particularly good at the one on one. He's combat. good at vehicles. He's good at large landscapes. Anytime Batman's flying or standing on a rooftop, the second he gets in close, it's bad. But when he gets that sky hook and he zips Amazing. out, and then the score kicks up, you know, yeah, great. It still is like just watching it on a TV nine years later. Anytime it cuts to one of those IMAX shots, you're like, this is truly fucking striking. Uh, Just the depth and clarity of the image is unbelievable. Of course, you know, with every movie post this, he's only doing more IMAX. Dunkirk is like almost entirely, right? I I think he's just, this is his thing. Because like the whole thing about IMAX has always been like, you can't, because the cameras are so big, you can't shoot IMAX. And he's always been like, 
They shot a fucking Everest movie on IMAX cameras. They can get it up there. Yeah. They can shoot my thing. And, and the other thing is there used to be a, a length limit. IMAX platters were so big, IMAX movies could only be over a certain length. So like when Attack of the Clones was transferred into IMAX, they had to cut those 20 minutes of romance scenes out of it. And he has boosted IMAX profits so much that he's like, figure out how to get more platters. Right. Figure out how to let me make longer IMAX movies. And they've done it. He says jump and they do. They say how high. And then they watch how high. Men. Method men and red men. They're the stars of how high. True. Um, how high are they? Men. Very. Method and red. Yes. Uh, men, comma, red and math. So. You know who directed how high, right? Bob Dylan's son. He comes back to Gotham. What's his name again? Jesse Dillon. Right. No, it's Jacob. I'm proud of my son. He directed how high. Jacob Dylan's another son, right? Yeah, he's the Wallflowers. Yeah, right. Oh. I'm also proud of Jacob. <laughs> Who, he covered this? Heroes for the Godzilla soundtrack. <laughs> That's my Bob Dylan dad impression. I love it. The Joker, the Joker. Richard T. Joker, go on. Reveals himself in Gotham, starts... Uh, Kidnapping? Does, is that when he first kidnaps the, maybe he the kidnaps fake the Batman. fake Batman. Starting tonight, people will die on a man in my Releases the torture video, and he says, right, I'm going to start killing people. Very scary, good camera work. Uh, yes, Heath did it himself. Mm -hmm. That became part of the legend of this movie. And there's the part where he drops into the deeper guttural voice. Look at me! And it's very scary, and you go, oh, maybe I shouldn't be laughing at this Joker. Maybe I should be trembling. Trembling! Oh, we forgot that awesome scene where... Uh, where Harvey Dents punches the, he punches the guy and steals the gun. That's a real like oorah scene. But I agree, it's a little bit of that. It's fine. Yeah, I wish there was just because this movie's so committed to the realism, like yeah. that there there might be a little bit more of like Jesus fucking Christ. He, like, he pointed a gun at you and pulled the trigger. He like deconstructs the, the gun with one hand yeah. and goes like, oh, sixty millimeter carbon fiber. American. Yeah, okay, get, get the fuck off, All man. Right. Denty. Like Dent would be like declared king of Gotham if he did something that cool. Yeah. Uh. All right. So that you need these, here are the people you need. You need a judge. And there's like a nice judge. But not the judge. No, no, not the judge. Yeah. We, Bob Dadal is not in this movie. Yeah, what are right. we up to, three hours? <laughs> David just looked at the clock. Okay. <laughs> the minute you mentioned the judge, I was like, oh God. Um, you need police commissioner Loeb. Yes. He's back. He's back. <laughs> He's in it. He actually has a laugh line when he gets out the, the booze. You got Mayor Batman well. And then you got Mayor Batmanwell from The Tick. You got mm -hmm. Mayor Richard Alpert from Lost. Mm -hmm. Nestor Carbonell as Anthony Garcia, the mayor of Gotham. Yes. And I guess the idea of him is he's like, he's kind of the, the mayor for like a hip new Gotham, yeah. you know? Because he, he's kind of like, hey, crime's down. Things are great. Yeah. Everyone else is like, still shitty. He's like, no, no, it's nice. It's got a little edge. Um, so is this... Yeah, now I'm trying to remember the exact timeline of this movie. I guess it's just the Joker starts killing people. Yeah, and this case because is the, going on. They're trying to put together the Rico case, which I think is Gyllenhaal's best scene is when she's interrogating. Gyllenhaal? Really? Is it Gyllenhaal? Well, no, but Jake is <laughs> Gyllenhaal and she's Gyllenhaal, right? I think she's really good. And then when she goes back to them and she's like, Rico case, I got it. I'm on it. Like yeah, you buy her being definitely. a real pro. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Yeah. And... When's the fund? The fundraiser is right in this part. Right around here. Yeah. So yes. the Joker's this lingering threat. He wants Batman to unmask himself. He's like, Batman is a false idol. 
he's not the solution. He's the problem. He's made things worse mm-hmm. through escalation. Starting tonight, people will die. I'm a man of my word. And right. he doesn't reveal himself. I'm going to start killing people. Right. But then you have, like, we should say you've got, like, the scene where he kills Gamble and he does his first uh, Scars monologue. Right. And then there's the big fundraiser scene where he shows up with a gun mm-hmm. and some henchmen. And he takes Rachel yeah. and tosses her out a window. Right, and does his alternate scar monologue. And does his second scar monologue. That's Ooh. the scene that Patrick Leahy is in, Senator Patrick Leahy of Vermont, okay. who loves Batman is in every Batman yeah. movie. Also, um, Heath Ledger's in that scene. Uh, true, he plays the Joker. Richard T. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really good basic storytelling trick of just like, oh, if you have him offer two different stories, then you can't believe anything he says. No, it's, it's, a, it's a very nice, and also it lets Heath Ledger monologue which he's good at. There's that great anecdote about when Gene Wilder signed on to do Willy Wonka. He demanded that he have that character introduction where he walks out yes. hobbling and then falls over, does the somersault, and drops the cane. Because he said, if I do that in my introduction, the audience will never know whether to believe me or not. Right. Which works really well for that movie. You never know if Wonka's lying, if he's friendly, if he's villainous. And the Joker, it's the same thing where you just like don't fucking know. You don't, you don't fucking know. Right. You don't know. Uh, right. Because the first one, it's or like one of the monologues is about his wife. Right. One of the monologues is about his father. Right. I think that's it, right? Because the third one, he gets cut off. Yes. And that's sort of in the tradition of that character in the comic books too, right? Where it's always sort of been like yes. changed and yes. different sort Except of Except sometimes they do origins for him. But and then they're kind of like, usually, forget it. Yeah, they usually <laughs> right. negate them or they go, maybe there were two of them. Because like, the killing yeah. joke is an origin story for him. He's a shitty stand-up comedian. Right. Who And it's like one bad day could make anyone crazy. He's working the, the mics with Scarecrow. Uh, exactly. Yeah. He's at the comedy store He's working on the circuit. Um, giving his time back to the room. So that scene is like your first Batman Joker fight. Yeah. But it's brief. It's brief. And As Rachel's thrown out and he jumps after her and that gives the Joker an idea. Ooh, he likes Rachel. Exactly. Maybe he dent. And then at the same time, he's like during all of this, he's killing, uh, the commissioner mm-hmm. who he kills with like poison drink. Yes, whiskey. The judge puts the, her in bad car. The judge goes in bad car and mm-hmm. is blown up with like playing cards. Right. But there, and I like that though. That there's le- there's still the like the Joker gimmick with every murder where it's like oh like you know but like it's not like in previous movies the cartoons where it's like everybody's you know gets their head trapped in a fish or what you know like the Joker has no. like a big bit that he's right. doing in this one he's just a branding expert. Yes. Um, it's, he's a brand ambassador. If you he will. is a brand ambassador. It's weird in the middle of the movie how he just stops and goes like, why can't I get a mattress delivered to me in a box the size of a mini fridge <laughs> using my promo code Joker? Oh, my God. <laughs> We're going to be here all day. <laughs> oh, my God. And then he tries to kill... At the funeral for the commissioner, yeah, he tries Stay to kill. He tries to kill the mayor. This week's meals include. I swear to God, shut up. Sage risotto. With- Everyone is sick of the bit about bucking Adderall. No one cares. We've done it so many times. Oh, Who are your guys? God. Lock the gates. Oh, that's great. That's that never gets old. Uh, what the, what's the show called again? This show? No, the Marin show. Uh, Blank Check <laughs> with no, Mark and Marin. Up. It's called WTF. Wait, no, Glow? Glow, that's it. Don't worry, fifth time's the charm. 
he shoots the mayor yes. at the funeral, but Gordon takes the bullet. He's dead. Now, here's my biggest logic gap in the movie, okay? Dead! <laughs> He'll never come back! Right, even though there are a lot of scenes in the trailer of him... Yeah, that later. Right. Yes, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing it in theaters and being like, did they just cut out all of Gordon's stuff? No, come on, you didn't think he was dead. I thought he was dead. Wow. I thought he was dead. Did you cry? No, but he is one of my best friends. Yeah. Um, there was an earlier part in the movie... What's his name? Lucius Fox asked yeah. Batman about, I saw this change in the things. And he goes, Lucius, look, I'm, I'm playing this one pretty close to the chest. Yes. Which is not the term. The term is close to the vest. Uh, he's not wearing hockey vest. Right. It tracks, but it's not exactly what the term is, right? Uh, the more popular version. Okay. Some podcast recently went on about this, maybe Hollywood Handbook. Then when Gordon later reveals that he is not dead, right. Mayor Batman Well says, wow, Gordon, you do play this stuff close to the chest. Yeah. Even though he had never said that earlier in the movie, it's Batman who says it to Lucius Fox. Yeah, but um it's a callback from a different character saying it so to a different So that's person. your biggest logic hole in the movie? No, the biggest logic hole is the Gordon plan makes no sense. The Gordon fake death makes no sense. Who knows about it? What's he doing? The How's Gordon he fake death this? is kind of like the um it's like that arrested development joke about how there's two uh coolers. Yeah. And and like he's like, "We'll leave one cooler behind and take the real cooler." And he's like, but she's going to know because I'm not going to be there. Like, right. And he's like, but they'll be like, well, you know, she'll be confused. And he's like, it's like one second. It, it, the way the movie plays it, everyone seems to believe he's actually dead. It seems like no one knows that he's faking his death. Because so. you have the scene where they deliver the news to his family. Right. And his wife is like, fuck you, Batman, or whatever. I can't even remember yeah. who she yells at, you know. But, but. She yells at Batman. Were you guys surprised? That he comes back to life? Yeah. Yeah, mostly I remember my because audience I was like, clapping. Yeah, I think mine did too. I think all the old good. British ladies went. Oh, yeah. Well, then I rest my case. Yeah, it just. I, uh, but the, the, I didn't the, know this was your case. Yeah, DA. Yeah, DA Hosley. Uh huh. Um, I just spent the rest of the movie being like, wait, but how the fuck did he pull that off? Why do you have to put his wife and kids through all that? Um, it just it doesn't really make sense. He told you why he plays it close. To- to the chest. Well, he didn't tell me that. Okay. Batman told that but to Lucius Fox. But they decided Fox. upon Shut that. Up. All of you When be they quiet. had made the plan. Silence. Okay. I demand silence. But David, David, David. Yes? Why so serious? <laughs> <laughs> so, because this is all leading up to, because now I actually am trying to think about how it, it's supposed to play out. Yeah. Because, <laughs> right, Dent reveals that he is Batman. Yeah. At a press conference. Right, right. Because, yeah, if, if Batman isn't, Revealed. Yeah, the idea is I'll keep killing people. Batman is revealed. Rachel's like the next target. It's actually started happening. They got the intel that it's going to be Rachel. So Dent is like, I'm the Batman. And, and Bruce is at Bruce at is the ready theory. to do he's it. Ready to do he's it. so guilty about Gordon dying. I guess that's why Nolan has it. And he has also confessed to Rachel at this point because Dent well, tells her he's- Dent tells her, You're the next target. She yes. goes, I need to go somewhere safe. I'm going to go to Bruce's house. And he goes, oh, don't. Yeah, why again, with you, the Bruce why stuff. you hang goes, out with Bruce? Trust me, Bruce Wayne is the safest man to be with in Gotham right. City right now. Trust me. Yes. She goes to Bruce, and Bruce is like, you told me if I, the day if I, I stop being Batman, Batman. Man, right, we can right. bone. We B-O- can take it to Sausage Town. Right, exactly. Sausage Party. I can give you a little bit of the salam. <laughs> Griffin's too into this. Griffin's like so delighted. Coffee's going to be bagel the day <laughs> that I stop being Batman. Am I right? Yeah, are you on Raya yet? No, I still haven't approved. <laughs> I'm verified on every social media platform. I'm the star of a fucking TV show. 
about to be fucking multiple action figures and I can't get on Raya, the dating app for famos that no one's supposed to talk about because <laughs> the entire currency is that it's secret. Well, this ain't going to help your cause. Maybe. I'm going to neg Raya into accepting me. It's a good call. You're yeah. not on it? No, I'm not. They won't. I've been waitlisted for Are a year. Are you on it, Ben? Yeah. Get out of here. Excuse me. He's very famous. Critic. He is our finest film critic. Poet laureate of America. You want to hear how bad it's gotten? A, a good friend of mine has now recently been hired to the board of approvals for Raya, and even he can't get me approved. Who? Uh, I don't know. Maybe okay, let's bleep that out because I don't know if yeah. you. you, you I, I don't want people sliding into his DMs yeah, begging him. And it's cooler when uh, when uh, it's bleeped out because then no one will know who exactly. It is. And it's like, oh my god. But he went to Raya and was like, "Hey, my friend Griffin, he's he's on a TV. Yeah, he's show. an actor, you know, right. famous." And then I was like, "They still haven't accepted me." He's like, "They still haven't accepted him." Jesus, they probably just don't care. I hear they you. hate Jews. I think that's what's going on. Well said. So Thank Dent you. is taken <clears> into custody. Correct. But. As this convoy is driving him across town, mm-hmm. guess who should appear? Ricky. Ricky T. Jokes. Uh, this is, it was the centerpiece of the trailers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the the truck flip. Vehicles. They, they talked about Nolan's it. Nolan's like, forte. Like he'd fucking turned lead into gold. It is great. I love the truck. And What's the business that the truck is? Do you notice that it says slaughter? Yeah. It's it's like but a, it's supposed it's to it's say like a birthday party the clown. Best medicine yeah. or whatever, right? But it says slaughter. What, a party clown business needs yeah, it's a like semi wheeler. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, Ben, Ben, to be fair, for decades you've had multiple clowns crammed into too small a vehicle. Oh shit. Uh-huh. Right? What if? And this company very progressively one said one clown. <laughs> one clown give them a whole 18 wheeler. That was their whole now, operation. Ben, okay, that makes more sense. Benjamin J Hosley is your middle name Jay? I have no idea what your middle name is. My middle name is McCormick. Great. Benjamin M. Hosley. Yeah. You have a line that you like from this scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you want to unfold your piece of paper. Uh, he wrote this down verbatim <laughs> while watching the movie. Yeah, so, so the SWAT, SWAT driver, who's very, it's a good moment. Of Played by Nikki relief. Cat. Yep. Uh, he's like, what is that? A rocket launcher? But it's his delivery of his fun. And I, I had suggested that Griffin say, what is that, a podcast? So that's what I wrote down here. Very identifiable. If I had said that, everyone would have known which line that is. Okay, now that rocket, you point that out. Rocket launcher is the big word. He says Wait, the bazooka. Big, what if it yeah. was rocket podcast? That might have or worked. Or podcast launcher? Podcast launcher. Podcast launcher. And as worked. I replied to Ben, I love the line where he's like, that's not good. And then the helicopter crashes. And he goes, well, that's not good. You got these two SWAT guys. One guy's face is fully covered. The other guy is Nick Cat. Son's mustache. Not playing the same character He's from Insomnia. He's a master of disguise. Master right. of disguise. Well, maybe this character from Insomnia shaved his mustache. No, because as you said, this is a master of disguise, which Correct. means he's part of the disguise family line. <laughs> oh, I see. His name's Almondo Al- <laughs> Disguise. Get, get the fuck out of here and never come back. Walk into the traffic. Right. You think I'm not turtly enough for the turtle club? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, the other SWAT guy's not talking. Nikki Cat's talking too much. What's going on? Oh, it's Jim Gordon. Uh-huh. He played this one close to the chest. Yeah. Faked his death. Great, great chase sequence. They give chase. The tumbler chasing after. The armored, armored uh, SWAT vehicle chasing after. The Joker. Everyone's chasing after everyone. It Joker's so trying to good, kill. It's great. It's I great. Mean, and then the, the tumbler, bat pod. The bat pod. I mean, like. Rules. It's it's so good. It's good. It's good. Like you remember, like the fact that the bat pod just doing a thing, like going up the wall, and then he flips around, and then it goes the other way. Yeah, 
like that got like a goddamn standing ovation. Yeah, in the and theater. once again, I saw a theater full of old British <laughs> women, and it got applause breaks. I mean, it's it's so cool. It played like it was a Merchant Ivory oh, movie. Else, they were flipping out. Here? It's got big tires. Yeah, you know the one I love is tires. when he pulls out of that like underground shop shopping mall, and the tire starts moving yeah, horizontally yeah, rather it, than it vertically for the turns. I love that. It's just a cool vehicle. The moment where it turns into the bat pod, where it's shaking, yeah, yeah, yeah. is so awesome. And then it goes like. Goodbye. Yeah, and then it explodes. The two kids fire the guns with their fingers. It's fun. It's a fun movie. This is the height of the movie. This is the movie just like is so exciting. Is and what I love like movie two now or movie one. Where we're at the we? end of movie two. Okay. I guess it's two movies really. Because this is the end of movie one, really. Yeah, I think the movies are kind of interwoven. No, of course they are. I'm not I'm not really, you know, but it's the end of the Joker section of the movie. Correct. Sort of, you know. That he's really running the table Exactly, on. because it's like, the idea is the Joker kind of wants Batman to kill him. Well, look, let's, let's call it what it is. The Joker in this movie is a troll. Yeah, it's true. He's a head troll. That's, that's what's going on. You know, the alt-right has adopted uh, oh, boy, all these different oh, pop boy. culture figures as their, like, you know, sort of representations. But, but I feel like a lot of the negative aspects of culture today, yeah. whatever Gamergate, whatever group you want to assign it to, is very seeped in like the the Joker mentality of just like the only thing that that sucks is caring about something. Right. You just got to like do it for the lulls, fuck everything, make fun of anyone who has any stance. But he's you also- just want to watch the world burn. Right. We we as we said, we were going to talk about that because that's become like the motto of. A lot of annoying people in the world. But, but here's the thing. Like, I like this movie a lot. I don't like it as much as most people, but I like it a lot. But ever since Trump has gotten elected, that line like rings in my head every single day. Some men just won't watch the world burn. And there's the line. says it perfectly. There's the line when Alfred is trying to explain to Bruce how the Joker works. He's talking about the bandit. No, but even before that, when he oh. says, like, you back them into a corner. Yes, they turn to something that they don't understand. Right. And it's like, that's how everyone talks about the GOP right now, is they elected this guy who they thought they could control. All right. I don't want to talk about that shit. But, no, but it is. I'm moving it past it. It I is don't care. crazy yes. how much more re- resonant this movie is. You're right, but I hate comparing fucking politics that affects people's lives to movies, and we're just moving straight past it. We don't do it, it a lot. We're moving past we it. We don't do it a lot. You got your point out? It's fine. I want to move past it. Please, I'm begging it's you. It's not even that I think it's a comparison. It's oh that I God. think this movie actually kind of. What? Started a lot. Well, I mean, I think you got a lot of dumb boys who want to be like the Joker. People are dumb. The Joker became this figure of like cool, you know, yeah. careless. I know. Just live your life, complete power. You're, I mean, but except it's like Vine accounts of people vaping and being like, I'm like the Joker. <laughs> right. But also, like, you know, you, you look at how like Anonymous was like latching on to V. Uh, for Vendetta. Yeah. Right? And yeah. it was like, oh, it's this guy who's like fighting for freedom. And then right. just became the Joker where it's like the only thing you're fighting against is everything. Yeah, he's like, it, like there's if, no end if game. X, then I choose Y. Right, right. You, right. you just got to do the opposite. Um, the But I also think within the world of Batman, yeah. the it's so delightful to Joker, the idea that in dying, yeah. the Batman's going to kill him and then everyone's going to be like, 
like some people would be like, well, I think it's good that the Batman killed Joker. You know, like he loves yeah. that. Yeah. Like he's delighted by the idea that his legacy is going to be people being like, I think it's good to just kill people. Much like some presidents cur- currently in office, the Joker's power comes from people talking about the Joker. For sure. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. It's true. It doesn't he matter likes, if it ends up with like ats. He, he likes getting an at. He's the best villain. He really is. I know he's great. It's yeah. so good. It's he's such, such a, a shithead. Uh, <laughs> such a strong fucking great goddamn character. I do love that scene where the Joker is like awake at four o'clock in the morning, like tweeting at all of his haters <laughs> and his assistant comes in and goes like, Joker, we have to take your phone away from LOL, you. LOL, cuck. LOL, snowflake. Sad. No. Um, Why so serious? Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation Richard, point. Richard T. Joker in a great moment for, for Heath Ledger. Yeah. He's standing there at the road. Batman's driving towards him. Truck's flipped over. This is my favorite ledger moment is the truck flips over and there's the long shot unbroken of him slowly crawling oh, out. He's through. so funny. He's so physically funny in that. Yeah. Scene. I mean, in all his scenes, but yeah. yes. And then he sort of skips a little bit but, over. Yeah, and he's like, and there's then he's just like, so much good physical. Come on, comedy. hit me, hit yeah. me, hit me. Batman doesn't kill him. Right. You miss Pat me. Rolls off the bike. And then my favorite bit is when he, he's like, what? I'm going to try to take his head mask off. Yeah. And it zaps him. Yeah. And he's so delighted by that because it's what he expected, but it's yeah. still funny yeah. that he designed a goddamn shot collar into his suit. I really think it communicates so much of that moment because he's just like, <laughs> like he's so amused by it. But he also likes that someone else is operating taking on the same seriously. level as to take it this seriously. He's taking all this bullshit so seriously. They're both branding experts. Because Joker doesn't care who Batman is. Joker's no. not a person. Yeah. He doesn't, it's not like he's like, if I know who it is, then I'll be able to exploit him. Right. He just, he's just amused at the idea of everyone knowing who it is. It's like you say, he's a big troll. He's a big troll. He gets arrested. Yes. And this is maybe, this is the most common. And of course, right, Gordon's there and he's like, we got you, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Right? So it's he's alive. Unmask, you do play it close to the chest. And I have no, again, like you said, I have no idea why Gordon really needs to be dead. I guess it's just to spur. No, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, I do like that he goes back to his family and you have the scene of his wife slapping him in the face. Yeah, and it's good, but you, you're right. I mean, Nolan wants this because he wants Gordon's family to be part sure. of the end of the movie. Right. But it also is nice. I understand that it's there for plot machinations, but it also is nice to have the movie call him out for being a fucking dickhead. That's a yeah. shitty thing to do. To it's a wife. shitty thing to do. Yeah. So. And he gets to wake his son up and it's like the moment that Bruce never got where his dad suddenly comes back to life. They, right. But they arrest the Joker. I, did you, did Batman save you? No, I saved him. Cool. 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 Also, I play it close to the chest. He plays it very close to the chest. His son says that to him. I'm gonna kill and he's like, how you. do you know about these have been three separate conversations. Um, okay, just, just the worst people. This the is jo- definitely a joker. This, this is, is definitely professor episode. frustrated at his peak. <laughs> it's Friday, guys. You know, it's late. I just want to go home. Yeah. And TGII. Um, so. Thank God it is. The Joker. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm trying to say anymore. The Joker is arrested. Is bad guy. Harvey is taken away. Rachel is taken away Correct. by cops. Correct. They're going to get taken off to their places to get like tied up. Uh-uh, Joker knew what he was doing. Right. He wanted this all to happen. And it's, well, again, one of those classic Nolan bits where the guy's like, Joker wanted to get arrested. And you're like, of course. And then you're like, huh? Yeah. He's playing like fucking 50,000 dimensional chess. <laughs> because he also employed a crazy person that he sewed a phone bomb into his stomach. Well, this is, I talked about 
in the last episode how I loved Batman Begins setting up this idea that all the inmates of Arkham Asylum had escaped and they're now going to become these supervillains. Right. And then this movie doesn't really do that, but no. what it does do they're is... They're just kind of the, the the mentally ill people, the Joker's like drawn exactly. into his circle. It's the guy at the the shooting who shoots uh, at the honor yes, guard, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and this guy with the phone in his belly mm-hmm. and his tum-tum. Uh, yeah, he could have just made the guy swallow the phone. He didn't have to cut I his don't tummy open. Fucking no! I mean, there's that. He thing. loves knives. He puts them in a circle. He does love knives. Him. No, that's a different Joker. But he does have knives because there is that great line yeah, where that's he's the like, Joker's brother. No ID, no identifiable, like no marks, just yeah. knives and lint. Yeah. That's like that's what that on shot's him. great when they're lining up all the all his blog. weird yeah. little knives. Yeah. Um, and he says how much he loves knives. Loves he can like get to know a person when you're yeah. killing him. All the little nuances, right? That's what he says. Yeah. I know your friends better than you. So, and we should, yeah, because there is that scene where Dent interrogates the crazy guy and Batman is like, he's meant, he like, he's, he's he's mentally ill. Like, you're not getting anything out of that guy. Um, But so then you have the Batman Joker scene, Mm -hmm. the interrogation scene. Uh, Good cop, bad cop routine. That's a good scene. Not exactly. Fucking, it's a good scene. Yeah, it's a great scene. And and Ben was saying before we started recording, it is kind of incredible that that scene is like, let's put two ridiculously dressed characters in a very brightly lit fluorescent room. True. That does not, you know, the lighting does not play up no. any of the strengths of those costumes. No. And Joker's starting to look weird. His makeup is beginning yeah. to rub off. Like, they look even more artificial than ever. Yeah, I bet, yeah you, Ben, we were saying you can see Batman's like black makeup eyes. Right, right, usually the rest of the movie, like he gets away from that in the way the Burton movies didn't where the Burton movies just had to own the level of mascara. I mean, it, I like was like, that's Christian Bale wearing a mask. Yeah. Like yeah. weird. Right. It's an adult man. Do you know my favorite <laughs> moment in Batman Returns is? Yeah. There's the one shot when he's going to rip his mask off, and uh-huh. right before he does, suddenly all the black eye makeup is missing from around his eyes. Uh-huh. Because the movie has to be like, well, we don't want to have him take the I mask remember, off. I remember then, this, right. It's right, just right. the one scene where you're like, why does he look different now? <laughs> for like one second. For one second before he rips, yeah. Um, it is just funny to think about like badass, like Christian Bale running and then being like, okay, fuck, now let me just get 15 minutes in the mirror Okay, of this. We, we, have to, we haven't even gotten to Two-Face. So that's the scene. That's the scene. Michael J. Two-Face. Where Joker is just saying, like, I am a troll. You don't kill people, so I want you to kill people. And he's clapping. Right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. right, all of that. Then And he blows up the guy's tummy and escapes. Yeah. Oh, real quick. I love the fashion. His suit, his custom suit is so good. I mean, Nolan's one of the best suit filmmakers we got right That's now. That's very true. Yeah. If he wasn't director, he'd be a great tailor. Uh, maybe he is on the side. You don't know. Maybe. Christopher Crowley. <laughs> Um, and he does, he set up his new Joker game, which is Harvey's at one end of the city. Rachel's at the other. You gotta choose. You gotta save one. And Joker knows he's going to go for Rachel. Mm-hmm. So he, he swaps the addresses. So he Batman just wants ends up with Harvey. to be frustrated. He wants Batman to be frustrated. He's a troll. Yep. Good troll. Good troll. And, uh, and then Rachel dies so she can join the ranks of Nolan ghosts. This is a moment. I think, uh, uh, Maggie G really sells terrific in this scene which is and also very well done by nolan right uh with the, the, you, the thing where she's like okay okay harvey look i i know that he's gonna choose me and i want you to know i don't want to live without you right. and she's like making her noble speech about like you know jack i'll never let go right but then when she hears him yelling, right. she starts to be like, wait, wait, I thought I was okay. about to be saved. What the fuck's going okay. on here? <laughs> like in the last moment before she dies, there's this little bit of selfishness 
I'm just I, like, I, I, I know, thought I was I know safe. what you're saying, yeah. right. And then, but then I like that he cuts her off mid-speech. Yeah. yeah, and her hair blows in front of her face Oof. and everything turns into fire. Now, he has been lying down, taking a little nap on a bed of gasoline. And just like, that's how it works. You know how gasoline only burns what the gasoline touches and then the fire goes away? It sticks to your face. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, Two-Face is weird. Yeah. Do what you can, man. Do what you can. Uh, Great design in this movie. And I love that the suit is just like the one suit he has, one and a half of it is just more charred. Yep. And not not the fucking Tommy now Lee Jones got- like leopard print on one side, pinstripes on the other. Well, he hasn't had a chance to customize. I know. That's why fans wanted Two Face to have his own movie. So that you could have a whole sequence where he goes to the tailor and Christopher Nolan. Shut up. All right. I have a genuine complaint though about Two Face. Oh boy. Because I agree that he looks good. Is it that I- he's a bad guy? <laughs> Uh, it's coin. So it's a, evil. It's not a very good coin. <laughs> yeah, it's a tricky coin. Here's the thing with the coin: is it's a trick. He's got a trick coin. He's a trickster. Makes his own luck. Um, tis rigged. Did he say that in the movie, dude? Yeah. They're like okay. the one time when they're like, like Rachel's like, you can't entrust a situation like that to chance. I don't. <laughs> like she really like yeah. it's a, it's a mealy mouth line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Batman does it too. He's like, would you really leave that? <laughs> <laughs> I just think Two Face as animated, uh-huh. it could be like ten percent less grosser, and I'd be a little more into it. Oh, I love how gross it is. I do too. I I'm like transfixed how it every time I rewatch it. It's an incredible. I just his jawbone on the side of his face. Yeah, because like, yeah. the two things that are really a lot is the the missing cheek. The eye. With the like tendons and the eye being just like Lidless. a whole eye. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, it's intense. Yeah, I like it. I think he only gets away with it in a PG 13 because there's really not much else in this movie that's like gory. But it's nasty as shit. I mean, like, again, I'm like, if I was a kid and I saw this movie, I'd really struggle with that. Ben's throwing up the devil's horns. There he is. Hell yeah. Uh, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Because I loved Batman Forever Two Face, played yeah. by Tommy Lee Jones, but that is, he's purple. Correct. It's like one half of him is Tommy Lee Jones, Oscar winning actor. The other half is a purple man. He's like half like Tommy Lee Jones, half like like Jonathan Demi version of a punk kid. <laughs> but that's what I fucking love about that guy. Yeah. And he's like, Ugh, I hate that character's so, design it's, it's, so much. It's so bad. And yet I love it. I'm looking at it right now because he's like, yeah, one side of me is a suit. The other side, like, zebra pattern. Right. The other side of me is a the featured extra side. in something wild. <laughs> like, why is that evil? It's not. Um, anyway. This was Joker's plan all along, was he wanted to destroy Harvey Dent. He wanted exactly. to prove Harvey that Dent is the symbol of, like, Gotham's normalcy. And nothing good can stay that way for long. So, Dent. Either die a hero or... Live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Podcast! Yeah. Um, and the final crucial scene is the Joker Dent scene. He's got so many nice one-on-one conversation scenes. Little push. Yeah, where he's just goes to Dent and basically sells him on like the Joker philosophy. Right. He's a dog chasing a tire. Right. I he wouldn't know what to do if I got one. Yeah. Um, he's, re- he's really, really good in this. Um, you know, the legend, which is amazing, is they found this abandoned hospital right. that was going to be demolished. demolished. Right. So they- No one was like, let me blow it up. They worked out a deal to put the Gotham signage on it and blow it up for real. 
and it's this one tracking shot. They it's cut into shot. some cutaways, yeah, they do, right? They do. But but it's all they only had one take because they did it for real. And so Heath Ledger's pushing the button and he's walking away. You know the story though, right? No, go ahead. He pushes the button, he's walking away, the series of explosions happen. That was not planned. It actually just didn't activate all at the right time. Uh-huh, Heath right. Ledger stayed in the scene, and played the frustration of the button like, until Rrr. it happened for real, and then the shot continued. And then he like toddles away, right? Yeah, because right, right. Fister told me like that was the day he brought his dad to set. Cool. Uh, and he was like, "Dad, I want you to see. I'm a real DP. Look, we're doing this incredible stunt." And his dad's there, video village, like watching with him. And then the explosion doesn't go off, and he's like, "Oh fuck! This was our big money shot, right, right. and we can't get a second take, right. and we're fucked." And then Heath Ledger stayed in it, yeah, and was just like, "If I keep on playing the frustration of the thing not going, right. they'll be able to use it." And then his reaction when the thing finally starts exploding—it's amazing! It's amazing! And then but it's you like cut lightning the, in a bottle. The, shit. You cut to the helicopter shot of like the whole thing going right. And they had that going the whole time right, simultaneously. Right, right, right. Yeah, um, um, but it's like those big sequences, like the truck flip and the explosion. Mm-hmm. They did it for real, and the only place they used CGI was to remove the other cameras. Right. Like, the truck flip, they have four angles of no, it. No, of course. Yeah, and they yeah. CGI the other cameras and the crew. That doesn't count. Yeah, of course No, but that's what's cool out. about it. No, it's I, like, I agree. I mean, that's, I think it's that's what It's not the craziest no gets... thing you've ever seen in a movie, but there's something so tactile about it that makes it really engaging. That's why you think about it. Because and to of watch course, the actors engaging with those things in real it's time. Like if I describe to you what happens in The Dark Knight, like, they flip a semi, you're like, Oh, I've seen okay. that in a ton of movies. Right. And if I describe to you like Avengers Age of Ultron or whatever, it's right. like they lift up a city and drop it. You know, but it doesn't feel like anything. It doesn't like feel goop. like anything. It's Flubber. Shrug. Uh, it's too bad. Flubber was actually the planned villain for the third movie until Nolan changed his mind. I know. And Robin Williams is going to play I Flubber. Uh, sad. Uh, then, so what do you think of the dent? You know, the, the dent part, like I the like, last look, 25 look, minutes they, of the they movie. They push this arc along. Which is like dent... Snaps, goes right. on a killing spree, takes out everyone responsible for the death of Rachel, all it's, the corrupt cops. It's a, it's a fast character change, right? It is. They and make it, big it's, moves it's, and they move right. fast because the movie's got places to go. And he's Weird. got his gimmick of the coin. It's almost right. like it's almost like you could say he's got he or he's like was two faced. Yeah. Okay. So can I throw out fifteen comedy points? Can I just throw out? There's the thing at the beginning of the movie where he said that we have another. What's the nickname, nickname you have for me? Yeah, right. Isn't it weird? Also, and that Gordon's they, like, well, I wouldn't know. About they keep that. on calling it MCU. Huh? Oh, oh, no. The, do they? They oh, call yeah, something it's like MCU. the major crimes unit. That's right. Gordon's thing, right? right which right. is also the Marvel Cinematic yeah, Universe. True. It feels like calling the shot in advance. Anyway, <laughs> Patina. Patina. Uh, anyway, uh, he says like, well, didn't they have another name for me down at like MCU? And he goes, well, I don't know. I wouldn't know about that. Again, a great Gary Oldman, perfect in this movie, yeah. delivers that line perfectly. And they cut right out of it. Um, nothing about him seems two-faced until he becomes two-faced. He seems like a pretty on-the-level guy. Yeah, I think the joke about calling him Harvey Two-Face is it's like he's such a sunshiny... I believe, uh, in Harvey Dent. I believe in Harvey Dent, public campaigner, but then behind the scenes, he doesn't like these cops because he was the IA guy. Sure. The, the idea was that he made his name in, in the police department as an internal affairs investigator, right. busting corrupt cops. Right. So the cops don't like bad him. Bad cops don't like him because he's a good guy. And then he's got that scene, sure. And they are bad. Thank you. Bad versus good. Yes, yes. The original Duality. fight. <laughs> There's that scene before the Joker scene where... Uh, Gordon visits him and is like, I'm sorry about you getting half your face melted off. <laughs> yeah. I'm hearing you don't want surgery or painkillers. Yeah, like, well, apology not accepted. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> right off the bat, let me tell you, I do not accept yeah, your apology. I'm feeling pretty fucked right now. Uh, and I am a Christian scientist, so I will know I will not have any. <laughs> what if that was his origin story? Yeah, I'm kicking it Jim Henson style. Yeah, it's like, you sure you don't want any painkillers? He's like, no, they put this slight piece of gauze over yeah, one side of my face. Yeah, there's some gauze on my I'm face good. so that no bugs fly into it. They do a good job of the gauze. I also like the first time he turns his face to- You don't see it. You cut away immediately, immediately. and they don't cut back until he turns but away. But you do see something for like half a second and you're like, oh yeah. Because like, the movie yeah. kept a total lid on Two-Face, yes. his design in this. And Not I only all- his design, his existence in the movie. You just knew it was Dent. Yeah, you just knew Dent was in the movie. Right. Um- so I remember like the the anticipation of like what's Two Face gonna look like? How is he gonna design this? And, and fucked up, twisted, red. Uh, what? He's red. His face is red. He's oh, it is. You're right. Red. He has the half. You know. <laughs> yeah. Thought you would then half. It's a little cute. That's the great uh, Dan Harmon Rob Schraub bit, which was after they saw a Batman Forever. Rob Schraub in the car ride home just kept on doing an impression of Two-Face where anytime he was asked anything, he'd come up with the answer that was two of something. Uh-huh. How do you like your coffee with half and half? <laughs> <laughs> what do you want for dinner? Surf and turf. <laughs> uh, they're funnier than us. Yeah, they're the best. They're the original two friends. And then I don't love the only thing I really don't like in the Dark Knight is the last scene, is the 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 showdown. Look, I think. This oh, but with fuck, what? there's also the fucking fairies. Oh right, there's so much shit in this movie. There's a lot of shit. I mean, look, I think this movie it it does a lot of pushing. All right, we're doing okay. Yeah, we're fine. It does a lot of pushing. It pushes things at at an accelerated speed. It does. You know, it pushes characters a little beyond logic because it's it is mostly a movie about ideas. It's, it's sort of him breaking down the entire idea of the relationship between crime and protection. And there's and, two climaxes that are sort of about the same thing, but on one scale it's very big and one scale is very personal. Like the fairies is like Joker's whole philosophy of like these people will tear each other apart if right. you just give them the least push. And I would argue— And they don't. I would argue that Nolan is not, despite the fact that he does it a lot, the best at building— uh, simultaneous action through cross-cutting. He does love to do it. Inception's the one that works in yes. best because that's the design of the entire Inception movie. Inception works great, in my opinion. Right, but I feel like in some of this, you're just sort of like, and it happens too in Batman Begins where it's like, you're cutting back to Gordon in the tank and it's like, well, this isn't as exciting as no. the Ra's al Ghul stuff. Indeed. Like he wants to pull off some Empire Strikes Although Back. Although you do have thing. Gary Oldman yeah. going like, yes, right. I gotta get me one of these. Right, right. Um, but that's that's my buddy Ray Tentori's big like complaint about Nolan's Batman movies is he keeps on trying to pull off that like Empire Strikes Back thing where he's got three simultaneous planes of action yeah. and they build upon each other. Well, that's what Dunkirk's like too. We haven't seen it yet, but it takes place in several different temporalities. Three, my friend. Yes. Not one, not two, not th- four, three temporalities. Hashtag the three temporalities. <laughs> two friends. Two. Three temporalities. Yeah. Um, I like the fairies thing and I don't really like the It's a moral thing. quandary. The yeah. idea is the fairy thing. It doesn't work, but with Dent, the Joker's thing has worked. He has right. ruined this man. And this, therein lies the ethical dilemma. Because the public perception of Dent falling, right. the is damage. He died nobly. This, it should be that he died nobly. This is a movie about branding. They understand it will be bad for the Gotham City brand. Bad branding. If, if Dent ends up being a bad guy. So instead, Batman's the bad guy. Because mm-hmm. he seems like a bad guy. 
He's it's a also, crazy person who dresses up like a bat. He's also like Madonna. Like, he needs to reinvent. He's been doing this Batman good guy kick for a couple years, and he needs a new kind of, like, brand revival. It's a reboot. And then it's really important that Alfred burns the letter. And then everyone thinks it's a right-wing movie because Batman designs a global surveillance system, like, by almost by accident. Oh, right. We forgot all this. There's too much going on in this movie. But he destroys it. He does destroy it. This movie- I just remember there were a lot of takes, like, Batman right-wing? Yeah, but it, the movie ends up like it's he keeps on flirting with right wing tendencies and he always stops himself just short of it. Sure. Like, I think the movie is trying to dismantle what the it, types of thinking, the paranoia that will lead to arch, insane, conservative. Yes. Right. What do you want to say, Ben? I agree with you, Griff. Uh, well, because it, it reminded me of um, an insomnia where. It's the whole thing of like, if I get caught being corrupt, then all the criminals are going to get released. Yeah. Does that ever happen though? Yeah. That's, I don't really like. Yeah. If they, you're if you're a DA and you they have are to found retry. Because, We've covered a weird amount of movies that have that as a plot point. What's the other one? The Judge. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Also, Speed Racer. <laughs> I feel like it sort of functions in a way where it's like, this is commonplace. And I don't think it's that commonplace. That's why it's like, no, but it, it doesn't happens. do You know, if a cop me. is, you know, corrupt, then then you can, you know, say like, hey, this evidence is fruit of the poisonous tree. And then like, you know, yeah, you can maybe get to work on getting your guy out or whatever. That happened with the, the staircase. Have you guys seen the staircase? Yes. But That's- let's not talk about it because, oh my God. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is great. Um... Is there anything else, though? Apart from the box office game and all the yeah, stuff. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the the final moment, which had everyone, like, roaring for a sequel, but it kind of, you also can tell yeah. that that he was like, this He's is kind of the point I want to make. He had his idea. But he does have the Joker say, like, we're going to do this forever. Right. Which I remember when that happens in the theater, everyone in the audience goes like, oh, fuck. Like, really? Oh, yeah, I just remember the audience like just kind of like dropping when that happens, just because it's like, oh, that's never going to happen. That final oh, right, moment with him dead. hanging yeah, upside no, no. down. For sure, no, it's a really sad moment. You're right. Yeah, of course. And you're, you're like, right. and that's the last yeah. thing we get from Heath Ledger. Him, that's him the upside end. down. It's so good. Yeah, he's a good actor. Yep, he was. And he was a great actor. No, no bit there. No, no. <laughs> Bummer. Yeah, I I remember I was like very very hardcore into. Ledger should beat Hoffman that year for best actor, 2005. He should have. And Philip Seymour Hoffman's like my favorite actor yeah. ever pretty much. I mean, it's Keaton and Hoffman are my two guys. Uh-huh. Um, Who are your guys? Keaton, Hoffman. Great. Um, but I just thought Ledger and Brookback's like next level shit. And within the the Hoffman catalog, in which I like pretty much all of his performances, Capote is the showiest, but one of the less interesting ones for me. Right. And, uh, yeah, I like, I always, I was like, I, I was still smarting from the fact that he had lost that Oscar. And then of course, the second this comes out, it kind of felt inevitable of like, this is this guy who we kind of realized too late after writing him off as this like failed teen star was actually kind of one of the most interesting actors we had. And now he gave this iconic indelible performance in this movie that like broke the culture. He's going to win the Oscar. And it was just this inevitable thing. Like won the Oscar. it comes out in July. And for the rest of the year, anyone else who came out and had a good supporting performance, it was like, well, what does it matter? Heath Ledger's going to win. There's zero chance they don't give it to Heath Ledger. Which he did. He did. He won. But my argument, I really do think he would have won even if he had I agree. Done. I always thought that argument was dumb that people said he's only winning. It was such a, uh, yeah. But of course, you know, it's a hypothetical. It's hypothetical. But I think, you know. 
the Dark Knight was released to critical acclaim. He's a silent guardian in our Dark Knight. He rides away. He takes the blame. He takes the fall. He's going to yeah. be the bad guy. Alfred burns the letter. Gordon smashes the thing. Uh, in lesser hands, blows up the right the sonar. computer. Yeah. Sometimes you reward someone's faith. And uh, in lesser hands, it would feel like too much of a sequel toss up. And it does make you excited about what you imagine the next chapter could be. But it, it quickly became very clear that Nolan was more interested in the idea of ending a movie on such a broken place than actually trying to make the next movie. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think he might have had an idea for a movie if Ledger was around. I think so, too. I just know that he didn't really have an idea for a movie once he wasn't. And we'll like, talk about that in two weeks. We will. Um, Box office game. Uh, no, no rush. I know. I, I, there's something else I want to oh, say. Oh, what do you want to talk about? Uh, this movie came out. It got great reviews. Yeah. Oh, there yes. were some people who gave it bad reviews, uh-huh. as happens when you have more than one film critic in the universe. This is another thing this movie kind of Everyone created. lost their fucking minds at these people. I mean, not everyone, but like a committed group of internet assholes. This was like the start of this people becoming saying. possessive and territorial about the movies they how could you, How dare you fuck with the Dark Knight's Rotten Tomatoes rating or whatever, you know? I mean, this is the whole thing I find so interesting about the Lego Batman movie. I'm not going to go into a whole spiel, but I think Lego Batman movie is a movie about bad fan culture because Batman has weirdly been this litmus test for I mean or at least like the Lego Batman is kind of a take on that too right on like the idea of like your perfect Batman right well and Lego Batman as a character is like a guy who misinterprets Batman sure darkness right no parents and doesn't want to show vulnerability wants everyone to understand how serious and badass he is yeah but why does that have to be the number one movie of the year for you because it's the best film of the year. I see. Interesting point. Uh, no, but it's also, it's a movie designed for me. Let's be honest. It's That's a movie fine. starring toys about Batman You're deconstructing. Right. Why am I even having this Pop culture conversations. <laughs> oh, boy. But but that was the start of that. Batman's always been this weird kind of, like, everyone likes Batman, but people like Batman for different reasons. And a lot of. No, it's just that reaction that you see in 08. Yeah. Like by the time that it's happening with Batman versus Superman, it's like turned into something even more disgusting, but it was annoying and gross and it, and Nolan bros as well. You know, it kind of spawns that whole movement of these people who hound critics just about like criticizing Christopher Nolan. Right. And it falls into this weird category of like, you know, in this age of like extreme anti-intellectualism, how did this icy British man who likes makes these movies devoid of emotion. Yeah, who's not like a big personality. Right, like deconstructing human behavior become like the champion of all bros in the same way that like the Wachowskis made these films that like spawned like the red pill movement anonymous. For sure. You know, it's it's this odd, odd situation. This movie does change a lot of stuff. And the other big thing it changes is everyone thinks this is going to be the one that breaks the gas glass ceiling and becomes the superhero blockbuster. It gets the best picture nomination. To get the best picture nomination. And it doesn't. And right, it we do have precursor. to talk about that. It's right. getting WGA. DGA, all that shit. All that shit. And then Oscar morning comes up and it gets the the Ledger nomination, obviously. It gets a original adapted screenplay? Does it? Okay. I remember it being snubbed. Snubs and flubs? I think it was snubbed and flubbed. Gets a lot of technicals. I mean, it ends up getting like eight nominations, but it In doesn't get the In my memory, it got seven nominations and it won two. Uh, sound editing and ledger. Right. But let's see. I'm looking. But that was the last year. It was five nominees. And that year. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So it was right. right. Sound it, editing. It, uh, cinematography, Fister. You're a man, right. Fister. Editing, art direction, makeup, sound mixing, visual effects. But yeah, no majors. Right. Apart from. Ledger actor. was the one. And it got that. And that was sort of like an easy, you know, lob. Of course. Of course. Um, but that year, but it was, also didn't get any Golden Globe nominations. Like there was some, apart from Ledger, there Golden was, Globes are always weird, though. 
Yeah, but they some, are. Yeah, sure, they can be sure, predictable. Yeah. Sure. Um, but that was the year. I mean, there was uh, Gran Torino, Wally, and Dark Knight. Dark Knight, principal among them, were these three very big, yeah, popular movies that got big reviews, and people thought they were all. And Frost Nixon got a Best Picture nomination. Right. And it was this disconnect thing of like people want to see their movies reflected. It became this fans versus critics The ratings were down too. So what did they do, Ben? Ten nominees. Ten Best Picture nominees because of this movie. Oh. There was another one. There's a fourth movie that was a big hit that came out that year that I can't remember that would have gotten nominated if there had been ten films. Anyway, breaks the Oscars, breaks everything. Box office game, it breaks records. At Do you remember point, the opening number? 156. 158.4. I was, was going to guess seven. I thought it was too high. Uh, what a crazy opening weekend. Pirates had previously been number one, I think at 134, something like that. That had to throw in Spider-Man, which was 114. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that was a big jump up, especially because the first movie had made 200 in total. So for yes. a movie to make three-fourths of that. No, I know. It makes weekend, first 533. Weekend, Domestic. And there was a real arms race of like, is it going to catch up to Titanic? People were seeing it multiple times. It was a yeah. movie that people were seeing no, multiple no, times. Crazy hit. If you hadn't seen it in IMAX the first time, you had to go back a second time. It's worldwide number is bad because it did not do any business in China. Yeah. Uh, so, and that was kind of the beginning of studios realizing like, you can never do this again. You need to, for your movie that you want to conquer the box office, like rankings all yeah. time, you need to have a big strategy in China. But even Dark Knight Rises like did much better. Um, oh yeah. This was like the last major American blockbuster that wasn't a huge worldwide blockbuster. That's what I'm saying. But yeah. it did still make a billion dollars worldwide. Number one, The Dark Knight, 158. Number two is a new movie opened as counter-programming to The Dark Knight. It was one of the biggest hits of the year. It remains one of the top 10 highest grossing films in Britain of all time. Mamma Correct. It was number one forever. Uh, in Britain? In Britain. It yeah. was the number one film for like seven years. Um, period. Full stop. Yeah, I bet I, could, I think it was dethroned by Skyfall. Uh, yeah, I think Skyfall's number one. I can't remember. Yeah. I, Star Wars might be number one even. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, Mamma Mia opened to 27 mil. We got a sequel coming up. Here we go again. That's right. Uh, great title. Yeah. Uh, made 144 domestic. That's a crazy multiplier. And worldwide? Uh, good question. $609 million. Yeah, crazy. So it made 76% of its money outside of America. Nuts. Number three... Mm-hmm. is a superhero movie in its third week of release. It has made $191 million. Uh, Hancock? Correct. Thought I was going to get you. No. With superhero movie. No. Because it's like a twisted superhero. No, because I was twisted. remembering, I think, well, let me see. I don't want to call this shot too quickly. Number four is a great film that I love. It's wonderful. Stars a wonderful man who's a special friend of mine. Uh, it's made $43 million in two weeks on its way to $100 million. It was a surprise summer sleeper hit. 100 right on the nugget. He's a good friend of yours. It took advantage of uh, a new medium that would later become a huge box office boost next year. 3D. Correct. And it contained movie. a tr- line in its trailer that is is so good. Is it Journey to the Center of the Earth 3D? We're still falling! I forgot that Brendan Fraser is a good friend of yours. I love him. Number five. 
Mm-hmm. That was when Brendan Fraser had the signal boost because he had been off the map and then he had Mummy, Mummy and during the center of the earth, that the same he had year. 200 million grocers and they went like Fraser's back and then he immediately makes Furry Vengeance. Yes, who wants a Wii? Um, number five had been number one the week before and completely the bottom fell Hellboy out of it. Hellboy 2 to Golden Army. 70% drop. One of the worst scheduling decisions of all time. It opens really big. Big improvement on the first movie. Great movie. Slaughtered by Dark Knight. Of never course, recovers. Never recovers. Great movie. Love that movie. I need to rewatch it. I didn't like it when I saw it when it came out. Oh, are you an idiot? It has been argued. <laughs> all right. Uh, other movies. Wally. My good friend, Wally. Nice guy. Wally the robot. A uh, new movie that week, Space Chimps. Oh, yes. Animated film, I believe. Yeah, I believe uh, Andy Samberg plays a character named Ham. Great. You got one of those. Ham the Chimp. Ham the Chimp. You got one of those surprise hits of 2008 Wanted. Yeah, a very surprising hit. Yeah, weird little movie. Weird movie. The movie in which they they weave tapestries that tell them who to murder with bended bullets. You you got it in one. Those bended bullets. Uh, You've also got Get Smart, which everyone forgets was a huge hit. Yep, and is really bad. Oh, such a stinker. They were threatening to make a sequel for a while after that because they were like, but it did well. But kind of one of those early The Rock is Funny movies. Yeah, you want to hear something really funny about that movie? So Entertainment Weekly's like big summer preview. Rock was the cover guy. How much? This is short. This is short. (laughs) Forget smart. And the big deal in that profile was he had slimmed down. Like he had lost like 60 pounds of muscle. He was like, I realized I don't need to be huge anymore. I think it was holding me back a little as a movie star. I want to be a little more relatable. And he does two movies where he slimmed down and then decides to be the biggest man in history. He's like, no, I'm a giant. Never mind. And then he breaks through. Yeah, because Fast Five. Yeah. And then Kung Fu Panda, Meet Dave. Yeah, originally called Starship Dave, a much better title. Indiana Jones, Kit Kitteridge, an American Girl. Uh, Sex in the City's hanging out there. Went on a date to see that movie. R- really? Mm-hmm. With whom? Sarah Jessica Parker? Uh, that's correct, yes. Kim Cattrall? <laughs> but yeah, both of them. Uh, the, the Incredible Hulk and Iron Man are yeah. both in the top 20. Okay. Yeah. That's all. I'm done. Done. I mean, I'm not going to do a full merchandise spotlight, but I just want to say... What? These three Nolan Batman movies yeah. are pointedly not very toyetic. <laughs> No. They got some cool vehicles. You know, the Tumblr's cool. Right. That's yeah. what I'm saying. The Bat vehicles Pod's are cool. cool. Right. But so the toy company's like, it's Batman. He's like the biggest selling character in the history of boys' toys. Um, they had, Never say boys' toys again. Boys' toys. They had to develop full lines. If you just want to do a Google search of like uh, the, the main mass market Dark Knight toys, they just come up with these ridiculous like body luge Batman. And it's like Christian Bale Batman painted purple and his arms and legs have wheels on them. So his whole body can be a luge. It's just very funny to imagine those toy designs ending up in the plot of a Nolan film. Can't see these, but uh, it's great. Great. Right, do a Google search. Saying. I'll add it to the Reddit or something. I yeah, don't know. Put it in the Reddit. You. Oh. Fuck you. Fuck you. Do you want to say goodbye to our nice fans and all of our friends? Hey, look. After doing this great episode about the Dark Knight. Yeah. I mean, look, this Griffin's episode's real tired, guys. I'm so tired. And uh, no one should ever make a TV show. Yep. That had been said, August 25th, watch The Tick on Prime Video. For it's gonna sure. Be great. It's going to be great. I'll probably be oversaturated by right. the point this episode comes out. I'll yes. be on too many subway posters. It'll be great. I can't wait to see That's going to be the weird thing for me. It's going to be great. I what? already got the invite to press day to interview you. Did you really? Yeah. Are you doing it? No. Yeah, right? Fuck you. I don't want to talk to you. Can talk I to go, you enough. Can I go in David's place? Please. And we'll like, we'll like do in Notting Hill, he'll Maybe. like pretend he's me. I was talking to Sonia. 
sure. past and future guest, Sonia yes. Soraya, about uh, how she's had to like recluse herself from yeah. all tick press events. I'm not, ta- like, I'm not writing about no tick. God, I fucked myself up by being friends with all the entertainment writers <laughs> in New York City. I think City. you made this joke before, but it's true. But hey, Shirley Lee interviewed you, my good friend Shirley Lee, who is not your friend yet. I had only met her once in a professional capacity before she interviewed me, and then she was at your birthday. She's, She's absolutely great. She, incredible. She dubbed me Breaking Big. Yes. Uh, and Entertainment Weekly is it list. Shirley lives to make jokes that make me just just collapse in fury. Look at how bad they are. So I would, I mean, that sounds that's like I'm my saying. ideal guest. That's what I'm saying. She needs to be on the podcast. Like, we'll team yeah. up. Yeah, because our thing in Slack used to be she would uh, put the emoji for leaves uh-huh. Every time she made a bad joke, because the idea would be she'd be like, she's like, she's leaping. I mean, I love this. She sounds like best. a regular Richard T. Joker. Love Shirley. Well, thank you for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Big thanks to Andrew Gudo for running our social media account. Uh, Pat Reynolds and Joe Bowen for doing our artwork. Lane Montgomery for our theme song. Please check out reddit.blankies.com. I never remember if the blankies comes first, the Reddit comes first first but it's one of the two whatever i don't know figure it out uh, i think it's the blankies comes first. some real nerdy yes, shit there blankies. i'll post some pictures of my favorite weird uh uh sort of um aesthetically clashing uh nolan batman toys I, why, why was that sentence so difficult for me to get out i don't know i don't know but as always and and as always playing it very close to the chest <laughs> Brown <laughs> Blue Ready? Yeah, I've been ready my whole life. <laughs> my cocaine. My cocaine. You cross the line first, sir. God damn it. I did Okay. Michael. My cocaine. My cocaine. My cocaine. My cocaine. My cocaine. That was not good. That was an outrageous. I can't put that at the end of the episode. You can't. This Woo! is you can't. I don't, that's not good. Okay, I'm going to do a, a good Joker quote. <laughs> oh my God. All right. All right. That you could put in the end of the episode. Fine. You could do it.